yo, lesson here, baby. You come at the king, you best not miss. Episode 171 with me, Gary P, and of course the prof, Carl Wright. I hate football. Oh, it's getting ridiculous at this stage, isn't it? We lost four in a row. It's, it's getting bad now, prof. It's a new four in a row song. Um, first of all, our sponsors, Ocean Electrical, the electrical behemoths in the electrical game. Check them out. Google them. Get involved. Fantastic guys. Really, really good guys. Looked after us for so long. And Lancer Credit, of course, when it's not your day and you, your toilet falls through your ceiling and you need some money. They got your back. Ah, <laughs> props mixing it up. So that is our sponsors. Of course, check them out online. So we've another defeat to talk about, Prof. Finn Harps, football is rubbish. And a first away day in 18 months at Bally Buffet. And there's an interview with 2004 Player of the Year, Trevor Malloy, a.k.a. Billy Boy. So, Prof, unfortunately, it's been a bad day at the office. Bad week at the office. Four in a row lost. It's not looking good. Um, small talk, Prof. Cold showers, hot showers. How do you take your shower? Well, in this weather, cold all day, goddamn yeah. long. You know, we're saying like a little bit, not cold, 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 but ish, right? My wife, my wife has skin made of nylon. I swear to God, she's like a snake. She has 40 to 50 degree showers. I'm talking to the point of where it's a, it's pain. I'm looking at her going, what is wrong with you? Why would you do that? Have you seen any baby dragons around the house? <laughs> yeah. Larish Stormborn. <laughs> um, no, it's absolutely ridiculous. Carry on. Ridiculous. And this put, I was only thinking of the lads on um, Friday I'm in Live where they're talking about shower etiquette and what you put on first when you're in the shower room. Oh, I was listening to that, yeah. This is... Uh, that like, was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. That was, that's that's a thing. That is a real thing. So I just love how you kept going. Like, your man put on six different things before his underwear. Yeah. I'm like, how is this still going? Ah, there's dudes <laughs> out there. We have one guy in particular. And he gets, he, he's a chatter. So he's he's drawing himself and he's a talker. So he'll be, he'll do the fold and tell a bit and he'll, you know, you know, way you kind of wash your back with one arm up and one arm down and you're scrubbing your back and you're getting it dry and he put his leg up on the bench and he'll be looking <laughs> at you going, all right, what's the story? What are you up to? And he's, and then he's rubbing it in between his legs, you know, the up and down motion. Well, that's an exhibitionist. He yeah. is, he is. <laughs> This fella that Dale was talking about was just 
an exhibitionist. I don't know if he knows what he's doing. And you're just in the corner with your towel around <laughs> your, your little bits, and he's really giving it loads. Like, he's going to town. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. See the football last night? You're just to like, get away from me, will you? <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's medium to warm at the minute, probably for showers, but people who have scalding hot showers, there's something wrong there. I don't know. Maybe they're just into it. They probably like pain. But that's it. Anyway, that's our small talk, bro. Pat Bourne interview, Prof. Last week's reaction at the end. Uh, he, he he fucking he could have killed you. I'd say brilliant. I love I love like we were talking about last week. Genuine laughter. I love hearty laughter, and that was just spontaneous laughter. It was brilliant. I never thought I'd see Pat Bourne wiping tears from his eyes in laughter. Like uh, he, brilliant. He was in big teddy bear bits. sitting there giggling away. <laughs> I was so delighted. I kept recording as well. I literally had my finger on the stop button. And he started laughing. Mm. And I had to release it. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> something amazing is happening here. He kept it going. <laughs> I loved it now. I, lo- I thought it was very good. But Prof, you had a bit of a, you had a, bit of a naysayer up in Finn Harps. Uh, was that Finn Harps or was it online? Oh, that was, that was up in Finn Harps, remember? Um, they had a few few too many grouches. Remember we were in that pub, the Mad Dog or the Dig Dog or whatever it was. And uh, Palamoin, he was giving out about Winston. And I said, here, get over here. Prof, Prof, get some. Listen to what the, this fella has to say. I, I vaguely remember this. I just don't remember who it was. There's a, there's a lot we really don't remember on this trip, yeah. Prof. So, uh, well, I remember someone saying Winston has to go. But I can't remember if I read that or something. No, nah, that was that was in person. Yeah, yeah. You nearly loathed him, so maybe that's what we don't remember. <laughs> listen, I'm sorry, but you're wrong. <laughs> you're entitled to your opinion, but in this case, it's wrong. Now, here's a proper uh, bit of feedback about Winston. It's from our old pal Jim Conroy. He said, brilliant Pat Byrne interview. He really understands Rovers and the passion of the fans. He made me feel like I was back in 1985. Great memories of a great player. He said, Winston conducted the interview brilliantly, while Pat got into the spirit of things. Congrats to all concerned. Great, yeah, it was. I thought it was great. It was, it was good crack. You just have to roll with it, don't you? Uh, Fran O'Neill, Prof. Son of Frank O'Neill, the famous Rovers winger, actually had the footage of Gerd Muller hitting the Rovers crossbar in the first leg of Daily Mill. Is this, is this like for public consumption? Did you see this clip? No. I, I, I've replayed this about 20 times just in awe I'm like I'm watching a Rovers clip from 66 Jesus yeah it's crazy isn't it there is a bit of footage on YouTube of Spora Luxembourg in the previous round but it's kind of grainy this is like it's like proper clip and um, yeah yeah so we move on unfortunately we had another um, we've more condolences to this show and we're a bit late with this one but rest in peace to Owen Rice his father Rodney Rice the journalist broadcaster and presenter for RT for 40 years as he died at the age of 69 and I knew he didn't lick it off a stone I knew he had some sort of uh, genes passed on down yeah. so we're really really sorry to hear about your loss Owen and a friend of the show and uh, some of the tributes I read were absolutely fabulous I'd say he was holding, holding back the tears so. oh shit the, the president even chipped in if the press talks about you when you're passing, I think you're, you're, you're good. I think you've made it. You I think know? you've done something with your life. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I tossed with Owen. Uh, it, it makes sense now where, where he got those dozen tones sense, from. It makes sense, doesn't it? No, yeah. it does actually make sense. I never knew. And I'm just thinking to myself, it's just in the family. Like They're just it's in the family. Just now on the 80-45 season, where, where uh, Pat Byrne won the Player of the Year award, when I was doing sort of research for that season, Sort of like highlights and things. There's one thing we didn't talk about which did amuse me. Uh, again, this is in Robert Goggins' Buick. So this is from December, the game away to Cork. This would have, would have been our first ever away game against Cork City in their current guise. 
So Robert writes this, he says, The Robbers teams and officials travelled to Cork by train for the league game at Flower Lodge, but serious delays along the way, as track maintenance was in progress, meant they had little or no time to get to the ground upon their arrival in the southern city. The winter time kickoff and the absence of floodlights at the venue meant there was no leeway in delaying the kickoff time. In order to save time, the team had to change their jerseys and shorts on the train <laughs> and ran from the station <laughs> onto their waiting coach, much to the amusement of the locals. And he wrote about this in his other book as well, Robert. And he, <laughs> literally everybody was on this one train. So all the players, all the staff, all the officials, all the fans, even the referee and the linesman were all in this one train. Waiting for the match. And it got delayed. And when, um, <laughs> and when they were all leaving, the, when the players were leaving the train, did all the fans go, go on! As if they were coming out of the stadium. Yeah, uh, yeah great, great little anecdote there, Prof. But unfortunately, we're going to have to talk about our fourth uh, loss on the tr- on the spin. And it's two other herbs up in Donegal. Um, didn't deserve one fucking one point didn't deserve any points we were terrible no again. we didn't and uh, our back five was expected there was no one else with six defenders missing it was Joey's tour game in eight days and Danny got a one game ban and Watts started so and of course Georgie Kelly got the same one game ban because that makes sense Um, I don't know I just I thought we were the FEI darlings. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> but we'll start with, um, don't forget, we have an away day special coming out as well. It's a little mm. video to just welcome you back into the away days and mm. take everything all in. And don't worry, there is no incriminating evidence in this at all. It's just <laughs> a good little video. So you you can watch it. You'll be watching it as you're listening to this. It's going to be out on Thursday alongside the podcast. So No faces, thank you. No but, faces, uh, thank God, yeah. Just on the one game banner. No just- face, no case, prof, as they say. <laughs> I was disappointed in Dan McDonald actually when he reported on the one game ban because he just it was like a it was like a brief one sentence when Joy was subjected to abuse as if it was just the ninety minutes of one game you know skipped by it type thing yeah it was a year long tirade of abuse towards him and his girlfriend personal abuse so I don't feel Dan is like reporting the facts there yeah, so I was I disappointed there. So we'll see, we'll see what happens anyway. But Prof, the four Provs, I was there at 12 o'clock. Point to Starro Pram and then the bear rocked up at about quarter past 12. And it, it was brilliant. So a nice little Crumbles deli. There's a deli beside it called Crumbles. Me and Barry were tucking into like, chicken. I, I heard Barry's a big fan of Crumbles now. Oh yes, we were tucking into chicken rolls and chicken wraps. And we were, they laid out a bit of grub for us as well. So Apparently uh, the Gary a love it as well. Ah uh, yeah, yeah. We saw a couple go in and out actually. Because I remember when the four provinces opened again. Uh, every time I would walk by the place there'd be a parked guard car there mm. and I kept thinking oh somebody's complaining again about the noise yeah. and then your brother told me it's like no it's crumbles <laughs> they they're, love just, it. they're obsessed with crumbles so uh, by the way the four probs has officially uh, it's officially my favourite pub I rocked in and the bar girl Haley, who's always been great to us she was playing Nas's Illmatic one of the best hip hop albums of all time and then she started playing Big L lifestyles that are rich and dangerous she started playing <laughs> digging in the crates all this old school 90s hip hop and I was like fuck everybody else I'm staying in here sitting in there chatting the shit chewing the fat about hip hop old school 90s hip hop it was brilliant I was absolutely okay. delighted better tender after your own heart oh stop so um, yeah great stuff really really looking after us as well and uh, good start to the day prof and then finally the bus rocked up and Liam from Friday I'm in love he 
Finally, joined us on the bus. Uh, he was great crack. He really was. He was a top, top fella. And his friend, Jimmy, the loudest man in the fucking world. Well, we filed this under. He was jolly. <laughs> He's great. And by the way, he has a full bar out his back, which he probably shouldn't have told us about. And then we hear that his missus is a lovely cook and puts on a full-on spread for games. And she's a Pats fan. That's what we're on the other podcast. Well, we're waiting for our invite, prop. <laughs> Yeah, as I said, Jimmy was jolly, but 18 months scare without an away game. It's allowed. Yeah, I think towards the end, right, towards totally the end allowed. of the game, I might as well say it now because I might forget, before the end of the game when he scores, right? They scored the second. <laughs> it's like 90 minute, and Jimmy's like, and no one is having it. No one is having any of it. And he's like, come on, everybody, sing. People are just like, we are dirt, mate. Fair play, admire that, but we are crap. Yeah. Uh, great. No, Great mean the two lads. Um, Liam and Ozzy Nate bonded over being teachers. Yeah, teachers union were there. There was another yeah. one as well. Who else? There was another teacher on the bus as far as I knew. But Dale fucked off the fucking Pats and Richmond. So that's a, it's definitely gone down that's, in our estimations. That's a disgrace. But uh, yeah, so really, really happy with uh, with the bus and uh, Glenn, <laughs> Glenn Malort. No wonder they got thumped the next day. <laughs> I think we had seven starters on the bus and they beat, got beaten 5-1 the next day. And trust me, <laughs> their starting 11 weren't looking great at 2 in the morning. I just heard Philly, Philip Maguire talking about it and he just goes, I, I'm starting. He just looked in shock. <laughs> <laughs> Philly had a few had a few sherries as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it was. It was a great trip. And we had a... It was a, it was a, it was a, there was a bit of traffic. We had a couple of false starts. We had a north side collection and things like that. But after we got motoring, Everyone was holding the bladders and it was it was foot to the mat and let's let's get up there, you know, let's try and get a point in. We had uh, COVID officer Nate in the back seat with the, the hand sanitizer and the wipes yeah, and everything. Yeah. It was all very well done, I have to say. It was yeah. all very well organised. We, we we got ourselves sorted and then um we had a couple of <laughs> we had a couple of interactions on the way in. I, I think Barry nearly got his head blown off by a farmer with a shotgun, <laughs> carrying a dog, threatening <laughs> he thought we killed a cow. It's something along the lines of you've killed my cow. And we're like, what? Well, what was going on? Ozzy neighbor slagged me about my notes. He's he's always quick to say, "Don't put that in your notes." <laughs> I just have my notes here. There was a row with a farmer and his cows. <laughs> that, it actually was. That's all I remember about it. And why? Why? <laughs> I only remembered. And while this was all happening, I'm talking to him. I'm just petting his dog, and I'm looking at his dog. I'm like, "He's a good boy," and he's screaming like, "Get the fuck out of here!" I'm there. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, love it, love it. But that's the that's the PC version anyway. And we we had a different driver this time. Yes, Danny, absolute legend of a guy. Before you tell me anything about him, I just want to give the listeners some uh, context to what I witnessed there. You know when you walk by a conversation and you just kind of catch <laughs> the middle of it or the, <laughs> somewhere around there. We we stop off for a piss stop. I walk by Gar and the driver to get on the bus, and I just hear. Gary saying yeah I have family in Transylvania <laughs> that's actually true and I just looked over I'm like what it's actually true I have in-laws <laughs> over there well in-laws in-laws yes, Gary right? Parsons can make conversation with anybody about anything <laughs> oh god he's actually a gentleman and he was such a good driver putting the foot down oh no top top fella so uh, we have official new mad driver that's what we said Said he always gives us the head cases. Uh, Nolan's always gives us the head cases. He was brilliant. But uh, Puff, we end up getting up to the pub. So I say, what was it? The dirty dog or the mad dog or something like that. 
I oh, should know it by now. I shouldn't be drinking. It was song. great. The, the, the Turner and Bobby Best and uh, Dawson, they were all up there having pizzas and it looked great. So we went up and I think I ordered three points and I got like nine euro change out of a score. I was looking at it going, yes. Yeah, the Guinness was four euro. I like this. I like this. But Q, I've never seen a pub go so quiet in my whole life, right? So we're standing there and we're waiting for a point and the woman pours a point into a boomer's glass of Guinness. And we're looking at it, and everyone just goes, <gasps> dead silence. And everyone's waiting for the fella to take it. Smash, all... smash of a glass in the background. Yeah, we're all looking, we're all looking at him going, don't take it, don't take it, don't take it. And he looked at it and he goes, can I, can I get a Guinness glass? I said, don't drink that. And she's like, I have no glasses. The, the collective awe of silence is brilliant. <laughs> well, that aside, uh, Lovely people in that bar. Great crack, yeah. Just in general, everyone up there is sound. You got the woman with the tay shop, the tay in shop, the ground. Yeah. I love probably she actually writes the word tay on in, Twitter. Yeah, I th- were we doing shots? I think we were doing shots. I noticed somebody doing. I'm officially a best friends with Barney's dad. Was this Barney baby Senior? Guinness? Was it? No, I, but I, think, I can't remember. I think something. Either way, me and Barney Senior are officially best mates. <laughs> so I have a new best mate now. Yeah. No, I just. Lovely. There was a there was a, an elderly gentleman there from Donegal. He was just sort of chatting to us. Couldn't understand half what he was saying, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, until he mentioned Big Dick, then I tuned in and I realised what he was saying. Uh, and it was actually it was actually really cool. It was like he just asked me about him. Like, oh, he's obviously aware that he passed yeah, away. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, he was just saying, I remember he came up here years ago, and he went over to the Harps fans, and he was worried that he would get hopped on or something. Yeah. And then, but sure enough, this is big deck we're talking about. So he just mingled with them straight away, and they got on like a house on fire. So yeah, Gary, I think both of us are big fans of Derry Away, but there's something about harps, isn't there? There's a reason most people's number one, great spot. Everyone's so friendly and welcoming. It's great having no animosity sometimes. Yeah. Well, sometimes you like a little bit of needle going into a pub, but it's great going in and all oh, everyone is nice. Do you mm. know what I mean? It's it was it was nice. It was good. As long as they don't make a habit of beating the cigars, but uh, That's it, yeah. even going home, like you're just you're walking out of the ground, your head's down, your tail's between your legs, yeah, and the yeah. stewards are like, "Oh, safe home!" And yeah, yeah, thanks for coming, and yeah. you know, good luck in the next game. And hopefully, the especially when we're at that stage, you're aware of the door incident, so you're yeah, you're true. especially embarrassed. But but uh, yeah, so Barry Collagher. yeah, so Barry Collagher, impressive debut, prof number six, uh, good in the air. Good passer, very, all all around very good player. I think he's going to mm. try and play a bit of football. He suit this team, so very happy with that. Yeah, it looks very very comfortable yeah. on the ball, doesn't he? Comfortable, yeah. He just slotted in nicely, but unfortunately, there's only so much you can do from from that position. It was the one positive of the, of the whole night, really, wasn't it? It was Barry's debut. <sighs> I can't think of anything else. Mm. Barry the trip itself was great. I can't think of anything else positive about that. So the former Neymar doppelganger. The former, yeah. Do you remember that years yeah. ago? One side just seemed like Gaffney and Cotter were in a competition to see who could let their socks fall down the furthest. This is down to the shin guards, I think. Have you seen shin guards nowadays? They're like a slice of toast without the crust. That's how thin they are. They just go onto your ankle like this. Smaller the better. I don't, I don't get that. I like the ankle straps, you know, the big ones pull mm. them all up. They're not into that anymore nowadays. They just slip them in. Watch them. They, they run around without shin guards on and they warm up and then they just slip in a little bit. There, there's no protection at all. But uh, yeah, so prof, no. unfortunately, we are moving on to poor Webby. Poor old Webby got abused about the mortgage. It was very funny. <laughs> I think he saw the he saw the lawyer side of it. 
But um, we're going to move on straight to the game, Prof. So we well, started the just, game. Just on the terrace, we had uh, your banking rival, Siobhan. Ah, Siobhan, great to see her, yeah. Great to yeah. see her. Looking great. Us fellow uh, permanent TSB folks. No, we got to stay together, Gary. You know? Here, I yeah. got a few quid off AIB. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them. They give me a few more, I'll be AIB again. No, definitely not. Jesus, they're brutal. Brutal. But aren't they all? And when did Harps get a scoreboard? Or? Oh, it's cool though. Very nice. Is that new? Yeah, I think so. I well, in fairness, I don't really look much to the left when I'm up there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You never really bother looking that much around. But yeah, no, it's very, very cool. And uh, accurate down to a second. But... I found myself looking at it quite a lot towards the end of the game, trying to trying to even create that one chance. But we'll have to move on. Prof will start at the 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 three minute yellow card for Green. He, it was he was just giving a bit about the football. I heard someone say time wasting, but at three minutes. I know that's what someone was saying. No, it was flat. The football wasn't great, and I, I think, think he, he just made a point to the ref, and the ref was like, "Whatever," and he goes, "Fucking whatever," and he booked him. Three minutes in, he must have said something. Fucking fuck you, ref. Fucking flat. You know something like that. He must have been. No, someone jokingly said the quickest yellow card every time wasting ever. But I mean, it was hardly that. Yeah. Um, four half chances. <laughs> did, did we have any? This game well, was terrible. We hit the bar with Gaffney. Mm. Uh, Dylan Watts kind of shot wide, didn't he? Kind of, kind of drilled it from the left hand side of the box. That was it, really. Probably, maybe they had the best chance of it with Foley. Yeah, Foley, Foley was lethal. I thought Seymour was very good again. Um, they have a good core in that team. Coyle in the middle, Webby at the back. The goalie's solid. They've got Siddiqui. They've got two good strikers now with Tunde and Foley. Um, Seymour's a good player. That's that's probably the best Harps team I've ever seen. They're good, they're solid, and they've a, they've a, they've a good core there. Boydy's good to come off the bench. You know, it's, it's I know it's probably an unpopular opinion because... Everyone loves Holly and his, you know, performing against all the odds sort of uh, vibe they have around the place. Mm. But I think they're underperforming with that squad. Maybe so. If they don't finish at least mid-table, they're underperforming. They possibly have pushed the boat out financially as well because there is lads coming up from a couple of places coming abroad as well. So there's definitely a decent budget at Harps. Mm. I mean, you can't go down that road and say there's not. Look how strong they started. Didn't they win their first three four games? Yeah, yeah. Then he went on a terrible run. Then they're back playing well again. Yeah. But they tend to do that a lot. I remember UCD used to do that years ago as well. They have like horrible runs and great runs. And yeah. So, then. prof, any more chances? Not really. Um, moving on to no, nothing. Good at the half time, it was it was one of those games where we just ne- we do we ever? Can you remember when we played really well up here and we don't struggle? I can't really. But we've always come up here, not always in good form, but you know. We always come up here with a bit of a swagger about us where we know we don't even have to play well. We'll keep the clean sheet mm. and we'll nick one and we'll go home happy with the three points. Yeah. Whereas in this case, I didn't feel that confident that was going to happen this time. Mm. No, I had no, I had no uh, joy about us whatsoever. We just de- definitely didn't look like so. Particularly mm. second half was really poor. But we'll move on to their goal, Prof. Musto. Musto scores this. Um, this comes from... Was Seymour the force or the second goal? That bit of magic in the middle of the park. He does a little torn, does a scales esque torn. There was a dummy as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and he just pings it across. Now we're not too sure mm. where that came from. We'll just mention it and say it was fantastic play from Seymour. He just nice pings one it. twos, yeah, gorgeous. But then, what's but, that name again, Gary? Seymour. Brilliant goal, I have to say. This is a Rovers goal. This is the goal we scored against teams. 
passing, beautiful passing, the, out the, wide and then squared it. Where the fuck was the marking? Who was marking Musto? Who was marking? It's a joke, and I'm telling you now. Richie tells swanning around the middle of the park again. Like, why can't he track back? Where was Gannon? You said Maloney spotted this a mile away, didn't you? The oh, second, this the the second, second goal? goal, yeah. Maloney has that eye. Yeah. But for this goal as well, we're fucking wide open. And once again, right, we spoke about this at the start of the season where we were getting attacked and where teams do attack us. When we get forward, we leave massive gaps out wide. And that's where the goals came from. The first one, Musto, mm-hmm. and then Tunde eventually got to the second one. First one was was very well worked, in fairness. Not, not going to take anything away from Harps over that one. Yeah. Nobody that was a brilliant us. goal. Yeah. Like like you say, it's something we would have done before. Yeah. Sort of the triangles and stuff. But uh yeah. The commentary girl, we didn't hear it. We didn't hear it but like we said, Finn Hart was supposed to be really good, fair, unbiased, and we expected it really. Just same, strange. Same with our guys. Our guys are never like that. Too professional to, to have that type of carry on. But yeah, the fo- apparently but um mm. remember I was talking about Barry last week from the Audio describe commentary. Yeah, yeah. Fair. Let them die. Fair. And coming on for Shamrock Rovers. <laughs> Fadim said he showed that to him when he was breaking his bollocks laughing because it was so accurate. But uh, our situation on the bench was we had we only named six players. Yeah. I think you can name nine or something. We had these days, four midfielders, a goalie, and a striker, as far as I know. We basically, considering the ones on the bench... All of them either haven't made a first team appearance yet, or they come on as a sub maybe once. So basically, it was Idemo that was their sub. I'm Chris McCann, who was unused. But uh, so Idemo came on for Murphy on 69 minutes. That was our only sub in the game. So a couple of people have said this to me. We keep on going on about our great squad, but do we have a great squad? If we're naming six players in the bench. And Idemo is our only sub. Yeah, but taking into account that we do have an injury crisis. But, but they were all at the back, those injuries. Yeah. Um. This goes back to the debate about the Roadstone group and the Roadstone project as well, is that when are these players ready? You'll only know if they're ready if you throw them in. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And is it a case, like how, how crushed must they feel when they never ever get brought on? You know mm. what I mean? Like I have to I have to be hitting an air somewhere here where we our Rollstone project. People take the piss out, but it is good, hundred percent behind it. I think it's great. But are we actually gonna put these guys and ever blood them in the first team? I know we had Gav. Idemo has a couple of appearances. We never got Zephy. Never got a chance to get him on. That's a different story for another day. Probably would have been the perfect opportunity for Cole and Mark Yellman, who is yeah. I think is a defender. Exactly. Yeah. I heard maybe big he, left he was player, injured, but. Uh, yeah, Max obviously played in this game. But I'm just talking about midfield in the front. Danny was banned. And then... So we've no subs then? Um, Do we have a great squad or not? Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. That's the thing. But ultimately, like, I can't tell you what these young guys are going to come on and do. I can't tell you their weaknesses or their strengths. I don't know. I know Idemo is nippy, he's fast, he can get around players. Good finisher. We know that because we've seen him a couple of times. What the fuck can you tell me about the rest of those players? Conan Noonan. Dean McMenemy. What can you tell me about them? Well, we actually brought Robert Gorgans on a while back to but what can you give tell us the me lowdown. About? But uh, if you're challenging me to remember what he said, I can't remember a lot of what he said. I'll have to listen back to it. But Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because they haven't featured since. I think Noonan came on as once as a sub. 
think McMenemy came on once as a sub, you know what I mean? That's not enough time to judge them. Yeah. I'm just scribbling my first team here. I'm actually going through the motions now. I'm the so, height 71 minutes or equaliser came. Yeah, equaliser came in and it was a good ball from the right-hand side. Who whipped it in? Did you get who whipped it in? I wasn't too sure. But I think it was way, another dangerous Dylan Watts cross. Yeah, and... Which was um, also the source of our daily man goal. The second, the second it got whipped in, I knew. I was just thinking, it's going nowhere. But it actually... Like it, it was, it was the, it, the second away that I knew was an own goal because it was play, mm. it was clear as day. But it's uh, it's just not working at the minute, Prof. Like we're just not creating chances. Well, we we did, it didn't really put a fire on the receiver. Like we got that goal, and we're just like, Meh. we were putting them under pressure until that goal. When you say pressure, you mean we're in their half, we're playing in and around the front of them, and then it breaks down, and then they break. Yeah. That's what I mean by That's pressure. That's pretty much what it was. I was listening to Ollie's uh, post-match and he, he described it as oh, they came at us in droves. I didn't feel like that. In me. droves, but ultimately did fucking nothing outside the box or in the box. And then they just defended well. It's funny that he looked at it that way whereas us and the terrorists probably half gargled but it didn't look like droves. We've been sussed. We have been totally found out. That's what I feel. Bowles found out we played the exact same against them, but we've adapted and changed during our most recent blip at the start of the season as well. So I'm expecting Bradzer to come out fighting here. Four in a row, worst record in what, 10 years nearly. We need to come out fighting and change this and find a different way to play and start being more creative because it is dirt. We have the attacking players. The, the, back, the back is not an excuse to, to be so dirt up top. Do you know what I mean? We've adapted before. Remember the two nil all draws last season? And then we tweaked it, and then we came out and we yep. started hockeying teams four or five, six nil. But um, yeah, we've become very predictable to play against. Yeah. So and um, so yeah, that was Adam Foley's first goal since June. Yeah. Jeez, that's good. That's Congrats good to him. <laughs> Tunde Abalabi <laughs> is prof. This guy. Just we need one to last keep... note on Mr. Foley. No more notes. Uh, Connor Foley, his namesake, exclaimed a number of times during this encounter. He's no relation to mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. just to make sure everybody knows um, shocking shocking stuff prof but Owl Abbey on 85 uh, either way with top of Seymour square or the, the, the switch again brilliant play but same again it came from the right hand side and it was a, uh, it, was a it was a sweaty goal a sweaty FIFA goal the kids call it squared and a little soft header and then Clearly I have not. to say I will say it was some Roar from that Harps crowd. Yeah. It was, it was a fucking... It was a roar. Like, I just thought, oh, man. I'm clearly not up to date with the kids' lingo because I have no idea what you're talking about. Sweaty it's FIFA goal, sweaty is goal. that what it is? Knowing, uh, you, knowing you're out wide and you square it and to tap yeah. in, that's a sweaty goal. And apparently right. they don't count. But yeah. like you said, you could, like, Owl Abbey, his movement was good. But even from us in the terrace, you could, we were just... I was watching him. I was actually watching this him. This is the Maloney spot. I was actually watching him the whole time. Not the ball. I was like, he's just going to get the ball squared to him here. And I was watching Sean Gannon because Maloney pointed out to me, yeah. apparently he's got the eye for these things. And Gannon, sure enough, that was probably his man. And he didn't get to him on time. Pigo was stretching, couldn't reach you. It looked so easy. It looked like he had all the time in the world and it was a, a soft finish as well. So, ultimately, Prof, we didn't, like like I said, another another game of not laying gloves on anybody. I don't think we did at all. I really don't. I'm such a disappointing game. 
where we didn't even have that last chance. No, the kind of last chance, everything just went mm. out of play, and it was it was rubbish. So, but it was similar to Daily Mount in that we got the equaliser and then we conceded five minutes later, which is something about that just hurts more. We're sussed. We've been sussed out, so we need to evolve and grow again. And, and move on but unfortunately Prof 90 minutes came and there was some exchanges between the fans um, Joey O'Brien in particular mm. um, a couple of people not happy with what he said to the fans well it's a small it's a small little pitch where you can hear yeah. everything so he was badgered for the 90 minutes and he reacted fair enough but although what I'm hearing was it wasn't actually directed at him it was just a general sort of comment yeah, no, towards the players no, no that was directed at Joey right. it wasn't good enough which it wasn't it wasn't good enough it's not good enough nowhere near but good uh, enough take it on the chin lads clap the fans and then leave simple yeah. plus Joey's been playing with through an injury yeah, true, a groin true. injury for three games and people are writing them off already you know what I mean I mean let's factor that in here but uh, but then kind of reality set in Gareth we just lost to a team with Ryan Connolly in it I mean, I saw, at one stage I saw him rampaging up the middle of the park and I just thought to myself thank fuck Carl Cairns isn't here <laughs> he would have been leaping over the wall blood thirsty to tear him to shreds and I just thought you know what this is this is bad we're in a bad spot now but we can get better we can we know this team is good mm. we know we can get it better but something needs to happen something needs to get them believing in themselves again Where is, is it? it a change of system do we change our system because this isn't working four games on the trot now we have been shy and played that particular way, not creating, being dirt, defensively frail, against Bowes, two against Flora and against that Harps team. I don't know if you could lump in all four together though. Because I thought we played some great <coughs> great stuff at times in Talon and we scored twice. Right, let's talk about from the second half onwards then. From okay. the home game yeah. from in, in Talon against, against Flora. Absolute rubbish. Bowls, absolute rubbish, harps, everything. We have not created a thing. We played grey for 15 minutes at home to Flora, yep. and that was it. It is. It's, it's Bowls tough to away, say. we were just okay. And we're coming up against a good Waterford team who are in form, mm. who believe in their manager, and their manager has mm. them believing that they can win games. They'll come up here now. That team talk is already written. What are you... He started earlier. <laughs> Now, having gone to the Waterford results page... Which but it is. He's just, he's just going to put their form up and go, look, Harps beat them. We can beat these. Blah, blah, blah. We can come here. This is how you play against mm. them. No, wait, wait. What are you fucking mac? And, well, um, well, on the bus home, people were asking the right questions. It was, you know, where is our energy gone in midfield? Yeah. Where is the... Where, do people... Do, do they care, ultimately? Are we paycheck merchants? Are we signing the wrong players who are coming home... Three years for Hoare, three years for Gannon, three years for Tell. Are they here for a paycheck to just set themselves back up in Dublin? There's a lot of questions to be asked. I think that's a bit dramatic. It is dramatic, but, but these are the questions that people are going to ask. Would you have been asking that questions when we were at one eight in a row? That's no, the way I'd like to look at definitely it. Definitely not, but Richie Tell has been anonymous for weeks. Weeks. And I think I might have been overstating his performances when he was playing okay. I'm trying to think of something he contributed to that Harps game. I'm, I'm just struggling. A lot of flicking the hair. Ladies probably loved it. I, Mrs. Weekly might I'm have been gonna, enjoying gonna, it in the stand. I'm not going to single people out, but it's just that Richie has come in with so much expectations and we started so we won the first 9 out of 10 games with him here. And you're thinking, okay, behind the scenes, Richie is influential here. Must be the case. Mm-hmm. 
but I'm watching him on the pitch and I don't see him influencing players around him like he did with Dundalk years ago. I'm not seeing that. It's just not happening, Prof. Long journey home, though. Long journey certainly was home, but made ten times better by the superb DJ Dan Fulham putting on a full dance, <laughs> and it was hopping. The place was hopping. It was brilliant. All the heart to hearts. This is the best time. Everybody's having a heart to heart. No, half the buses are having a heart to heart. Half of them are raving. Some of them are Irish as well. Some of them a full on Gaelic conversation kicked off <laughs> on the bus, and I looked at it and I goes, "This is a dream. <laughs> this isn't happening." Conor Foley, Jay Thomas, Liam Regan, Gimarangs, all them bashing out Irish under the gun. This, you would have got about 500 to 1 for this to happen on a, on a 50s bus. <laughs> a 50s bus scar, which sadly is no longer undefeated. Full circle, yeah, we started at Harps, now we've lost at Harps. The unbeaten run began at Harps in, what was it, March 2019. Yeah, yeah, Bulger screaming. Ran through the entire 2020 season unbeaten away, which is incredible. I think mm. it was one game. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Banjo before Monaghan Prof who did we give this to? Well, I was fairly busy on that on the way up I was making sure we were getting there Danny was up the top chatting away and um, I wasn't really down the back so Banjo before Monaghan I'll let you give this one order we, we didn't announce any winner but I think I think Barry had it wrapped up early on Barry was fairly wrapped up yeah now because he was he was milling the points yeah. he was pretty good yeah. as Stafford said he was Banjo before Balbriggan Banjo before Balbriggan right but, uh, um, if we're going to say banjo after Monaghan then probably Jimmy yeah Jimmy Jimmy was great yeah he was, but, uh, he was standing there looking at me he was like do, do the Mark Basham <laughs> do the voice and I'm like don't make me do it Jimmy <laughs> and he's like do it you're like a performing monkey yeah bro. and I'm there going wibbly wobbly <laughs> he's just like yeah I was like it's terrible Jimmy please he <laughs> couldn't perform with the pressure oh. but uh no, I actually, I actually struggled with the beer after being off for so long. I think I'm gonna go, just going to go with Guinness in the cooler, like you suggested. Ah, that's the one, man. Get yourself a nice cooler, a nice glass, when ice I, water. Perfect. When I came off the bus at the end, the driver heard how much, how many bottles were clinking in my bag, and he looked disappointed in me. I was like, why do you have so much beer left? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. But, um, do you know what's always good as well? When you know the, the trip is getting good when the tops are off. I'm looking around and there's like, oh, what are we, six, seven, eight, eight people with the tops off. Okay, it's a full <laughs> rave now. We're getting there. <laughs> so that's always good. Yeah. I think the banjo before Monaghan Award should, like, we should hang like a framed photo of each winner on the wall. Kind of like an employee <laughs> of the month. A picture of them in their best moment. <laughs> we just see like a long line on the wall. Mm. Uh, I got Waddy story time on the bus. Wally story time. What a guy. God, I, I spoke to him for most of the trip up as well, up the top, filling me in for the great Rover stories from years ago and all. It's great. He's one of those people who's just really enjoyable to listen to. <laughs> Cracking stuff. He cracks me up, man. And Garrett, you wanted me to ask something. Do you have something you would like to share with the listeners? Are you going to a gig next year, Garrett? Well, we were supposed to go, but I was probably going to give me ticket away. Now, that's a long time ago we got them tickets, right? We, long time ago we got them. It was supposed to be King Kong Company. They were gone. I won't show you in the bus. I'll just... if you want. It was before the sponsorship, if right? If you want to say it, you it. was before it. they were on the jersey, right? It was when they were cool, man. Are they called the Fontaines? They were a good band, right? It was before they got the jersey. It was a ticket for sale, by the way, if anybody wants. 
So, but uh, um, yeah, unfortunately, there was a bit of an incident. Prof toilet door. A few people got a little bit rowdy, and the toilet door came off the hinges. But straight off the bat, we paid for it. Fair play to Ray Whelan for looking after the whole thing. Yeah, we were all really frustrated about this. Like as I think Carol Kearns summed it up best. He was like, Finn Harps of all places, one of the few places we aren't treated like animals. <laughs> we're actually tolerated. <laughs> the yeah. only club that doesn't hate us. Like, why would you do this at Harps? Yeah. If you did it at Oriel Park, probably be an improvement. Mm, yeah, but Harps, like, just what sort of a dope does yeah. this? But, um, yeah, great. Quick think of my Ray Whelan, uh, if you want to read his Yeah, so uh, I think the speed there. in which he mobilised and got the required funds together and sent the right people at Finn Harps definitely was a factor in limiting the reputational damage done to the club as a whole. All told, we raised 661.86, which... Who gave 86 cent? That's just Ray making profits. Who gave 86 cent? There you go. That's all I have. <laughs> Keep it and get a Freddo bar. But uh, yeah, so 550 were sent to Finnhab's kitman rather than wait for the rest to fester. At the story to fester and send them sporadic mounts the initial payment. I decided to send them 550 as quickly as possible. Donate the surplus of 110 or 111 to uh, the junior hoops. So once again, badass Billy Gleason. His new bar is getting more equipment. He's just raking it in with this junior <laughs> hoops. He's unbelievable, isn't he? Certainly is, but uh, I like Darren Darren Glennon's reply as well. He said, spot on, Ray. It was interesting to read all the comments on various League of Ireland pages, all posting photos of the damage, followed very closely by the Twitter screenshot from the kit man. It shut down a lot of the anti-rovers rhetoric. Yes. Great stuff. Excellent. Quick yeah. thinking and very, very, very smart yeah. on his feet as usual. Yeah, because as, as Ray said, the fundraiser, the golf, someone mentioned the GoFundMe, but... It could have taken one or two days, and by then we're being shit on, and people yeah. forget about the fun. And in true Tifty's fashion, the world just rewards good people, and he won the golden goal, and he got himself a very very snazzy pair of sneakers. He was out shopping, so Ray <laughs> won the golden goal, which yeah. is it's apt. It's very apt, isn't it? It certainly is. I think Barry was convinced he had won that. He kept telling me he had won. Yeah, he came up. He goes, <laughs> I was like, what? What are you saying? <laughs> What are you saying? 55 you said. Yeah, Ray Whelan. Yes. Generally a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. But um Yeah, like like Darren says there, other club fans are kind of they can't wait to jump on something like this. And just two very different incidents, but it reminded me of Bran a couple of years ago. Do you remember we like had a great time on the tram? Oh yes. To that game. Trams and trains and yeah. buses and planes, all Rovers fans together on them are always the crack. Don't care what anyone says. It's uh, I wouldn't say it's my favourite part of the trip, but it's kind of something I always look forward to. It's like that last train or tram to the game. It's just we're all the most jolly. But uh, I remember that, that tram to Bran, and we're all we're singing and drinking, no trouble, just having the crack. And some Norwegian dweeb on Twitter gave out about us. And a screenshot of that... Just that are going around on Twitter like Bowes past fans like oh typical rovers. Literally because we sang. Yeah. They we were could not wait to hold up something yeah. as harmless as some lad from Norway. Unbelievable. Do you remember just getting onto that train, right? Just as we were about to get onto it, they were I was boarding with a beer and we're all like, yeah. and just as I was about to take a sup, a cop just goes, whoop boom! <laughs> Smacks the beer on my hand. I turn around to go, who the fuck? And he just goes, no beer. I was like, okay. I was like, what the fuck? He walloped it out. We had like a tennis serve. 
<laughs> I was like, whoa, I'm not fucking with him because he was a Robocop. He had the armor, the, the hat on, the whole lot. I was like, okay, get one at the, I'll get one at the ground. Don't you worry. Was that Sweden or Norway? Uh, I think it was Norway. Nearly sure it was Norway. It could have been Sweden. But Sweden was one where we had, we had the police escort. That probably what it was. Probably probably what it was. Yeah, because yeah. it was really, really sunny that day. It was so yeah. sunny every time we're in Europe. But yeah, so that was it. And overall, great trip. Really was. Sligo is on. Get in touch. Get in touch if you want to uh, sort us up with Sligo. The, alloca- the allocation at the minute, we're not sure, but we're listen. We'll deal with that in a while. We'll get Waterford over it as it as we go. So um, just a note on the Sligo allocation. Uh, they're playing past the home on Friday, and they've given past ten percent. So that's it's different relationship now. That's two hundred and ten hmm. uh, fans out of. 2100 I don't think we're going to get that many yeah. we might get 1.9 it's it's all up in the air but like I said just keep us uh, we'll keep you posted on any developments so Prof up next we have Trevor Billy Boy Malloy uh, so he started out as a 16 year old uh, you were at Sheriff and uh, Stella initially I think it was did you have trials in the UK who offered you trials um, I was on trials with five clubs all in total um Tramere, Man City, Brighton with Liam Brady, um, Cambridge, who else was one more? Middlesbrough, Man City, Cambridge, Tramere. Yeah, there was, there was one more there somewhere. Um, yeah, there was a, I started off with Sheriff and then went to Stella. Um, when you go to Stella, you get you know, a lot of scouts up there. Tom Callow looked after us all up there. And um, yeah, it was a great experience going away. Um, leaning off them all over there as well. When I went to City, Georgie and Classy and I was there, so we got to see some of the top players and all like that. It was brilliant, great experience going over. Uh, Ray Trace, you brought you to Rovers in the 95-96 season, so how did that move come about? Um, Tom Cavanagh, again. Um, he was the manager uh, at Stella Marlis. He would have gotten players like uh, Stephen Kerr and all that way, um, who went to Arsenal and all, and oh, sorry, the sports. But um, he got me up to Rovers and Ray Tracy just took a liking to me. Um, used to play for Stella on a Saturday and I played for the, the B team of Rovers on a Sunday. And luckily enough, I, I started out well and got a couple of goals and he sort of took a little shot. He start, sort of took me underneath his wing. Um, I was saying that he gave me a few kicks up the ass as well. Um, but yeah, it started out really well with me there. And the 997 World Youth Championships, of course, people still remember this family because Aaron did so well, he got the bronze medal. How big a surprise was your call-up? Because I think at this stage you were with Athlone. Yeah. Um, what happened was I got released from Rovers. Um, and to be honest with you, I thought that was the end of my football career and all that. But when I look back at it, Liam, um, Pat Bourne, he actually did me a favour because I wasn't going to get in. And he sort of released me and didn't ask for money and didn't ask for anything like that. He just says, right, go, you know, show me show me what I'm doing wrong. You know, show me, uh, show me that I'm wrong and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I was down on that loan. Um, again, I was very lucky. I scored a couple of goals starting off. Brian Kerr came down to watch. And um, got a, as I said, I, got, I think I got 13 goals in 16 games or something like that. And to get the call up to go and even just to go on the trials, um, it was an amazing, amazing uh, thing that happened to me, especially my family and all. Because as I said, after leaving Rovers, I thought Rovers would have been there for my whole career, like, you know. You obviously didn't want to leave Rovers and it was hard to get into the team, wasn't it? The likes of Cuzzo up front. Yeah, Cuzzo and Sean Francis, um, they were two good players. Like, I know, I know Cuzzo had an injury to his knee, but he, he could still turn players inside out. 
scoring goals. Sean Francis holding the ball up. He was like Mark Hughes. Um, and for, I was like a little upstart, um, little cheeky little fella trying to break into the team. I was shouting at the manager, he should be playing me and all this kind of stuff. And um, Yeah, it, it was tough, but I just wanted to play, to be honest with you. Whether I was playing for the first team or the second team, I really just wanted to play with Rovers. You know, have you ever looked back at the squads from that 1997 tournament? Because you see the likes of Michael Owen, Terry Henry, Trezeguet, Anelka, Oymar, Riquelme. They want onto bigger and better things. It's amazing list of players, isn't it? Ah, oh, it's ridiculous. It's um, some of the players we've seen. We went to, we went to a, a new hotel in Kuala Lumpur and we were waving off Anelka, Henri, Trezeguet. They were leaving as we were coming in, you know, like that. Um, Michael Owen was there as well. We got to watch a couple of games too. But uh, the standard of football was was ridiculous. They were really, really high-level footballers. And it was even a pleasure just to watch them as well. And you outscored Henri and Michael Owen. So tell us about your, your goals. Yeah, they said I got two, but he actually got three. I don't know I don't know why I didn't get credited with one against America because I got the final touch in it. But we won't go into that. Um, the first game against Ghana, we was a bit of a, we gave, I think we gave them too much respect. Um, they went, went on up and then I got the equaliser. Um, and then we played them in third and fourth place. And we gave them a good going over. But uh, I suppose the important goal was the one against Spain. Um, a, a ball came to me and I'd done a little trick and we won the penalty. And when I turned around, I was sort of like, oh, don't mind all these, you know. Uh, Neil Fenn was at Spurs and Damien Dutt was at Blackburn and all that. So like, give me the ball, I'll take it. Now, no one else was there uh, running over to me to take the ball off, you know, like that. It was, uh, it was, it was a pressure, pressurised situation. But luckily enough, again, I, I put it in the back of the net. How good was Duffer? Oh, stop. He was uh, He let me help the rest anyhow because all he did was sleep and f- eat and football. There was no in between. We'd be all jumping around each other's rooms and uh, playing cards and messing about. But he just after every training session, he'd eat and then sleep to the next match. But during the games, he was exceptional. He really was. And I know you can give out these players in big money, but there's a reason why they're on the big money and they're at big clubs because when they get on the ball, it's very hard to get them off it. It's very hard to even replicate what they do. And again, another learning curve for me, I couldn't even ping a ball before they went away with them kind of players. And um, I learned so much of them. But Duffer especially, he was, he was exceptional. His pace for a scrawny little kid, he was so strong. His head ability was quality. He doesn't, you know, he wouldn't take, he wouldn't think of that. Um, his cross was second to none. He's he and he listened. He wasn't like a one of these superstars. He just shrugged everything off. He was he listened to everything that Brian and um, Brian and I was saying, and he did the job for us. You know, he, he was really, really good. Trust me, really good. To only lose out to the eventual winners, Argentina, having gone all the way to the semi-finals, Ireland really surprised people. Not just with the results, but the way we played as well. Yeah, um, be honest with you, we surprised ourselves as well. Um, if you think of an Irish team back then, it was get it, lump it, and play with second balls. But we did, we couldn't do that. We hadn't got a, a big Noel Queen. We had Neil Finn, so he could bang the ball into his feet all day. And he'd, be fair, he probably had the best touch I've ever seen in my life. He could take a ball down with snow on it. But uh, Thomas Morgan in the middle of the park, uh, Kirby, and myself. Uh, like not one of us a six foot so we had to play it on the ground and to be fair you, you had to play football over there because of the heat and the humidity um, and to be fair we, we, we played a lot of exciting stuff you know um, again we surprised ourselves but in between all that um, 
we walked hard. We walked exceptionally hard. And we did have a Brian and all because they got into us, you know, they got into our heads and this is, yeah, doing us for back home and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then Noel had you on his good side as well. Brian would give you a bit of a rollick, but Noel would have you on his good side because he'd be playing the guitar late at night, you know, and he'd be keeping us all in good moods and good spirits and all that. You obviously came back then to the League of Ireland and you were, you were on cloud nine at this stage. You came back to Pats and two league titles of Pats, so good memories there. Brilliant. Um, I probably played my best football there at Pats. Um, and I think that team just sort of clicked. There was a, a young generation coming in, me, Hawks and Morgan. Um, he brought another couple of players in, but they also had Ozo and Eddie Gormley and Eagles in. And we all just sort of clicked. And again, at Pats, we played exceptionally good football. It was on the ground. There was... I think Pat was going on about that we don't lump it so, so much, but we did. We played a lot of good football and we scored a lot of goals. Um, as I said, the team just clicked. And then when Bucco took over, he changed the formation. Um, again, we scored a lot of goals and we, get, we kept it on the ground, you know, like that. So it was, it was good. It was a great year, a couple of years at Pat's. Uh, you went to Bowles. We've asked a lot of uh, Rovers players who played in the famous 6-4 game in Santry. Their point of view, I think you're the first Bowles player we've had on to give us their side so talk to us about being far one down at half time eh does it does it it's a good that's a good story that is uh, that was my first time ever being dropped since I got into into start playing League of, League of World of Football the first time we ever got dropped and uh, I remember at half time it was a far one a half far one far one. Far one and I was on the bench and Roddy come in and he says right you're coming on half time and uh then you can hear a little scuffle outside and he walks out, he goes back in, he pulls me, he goes, uh, what was it? I tell you the exact words. He says, uh, you get out there and you change something or else I'm going to be sacked. And if you get me sacked, I'm going to punch the head of every single one of them in there. So you, if you don't want your mates to get hurt, do something. Um, yeah, it was a funny, it was a funny game. It was a very funny game because even after the game, when uh, Bowles won 6-4, uh, it was 5-4, 6-4? yeah. Um, you could see Reddy giving the finger of the, the 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 lads up the up up the top of the stadium in Martin Stadium. Uh, it's a strange old game, but in, in, in that uh, t- that football team at Bowes, if you give if you give Glenn Crow any any chances at all, he's got to score. And I think the Rovers team sort of yeah, they thought it was over. They thought that the game was over, and we made a couple of chances. Crowy scored two or three, and yeah, we we, we Bowes got it back. Obviously, that one hurts for Rovers fans. Some players don't even like talking about it. They were how shell shocked were they after that final whistle? Yeah, there was a few heads in the heads in the hands and all that kind of stuff. But look, even though I'm a Rovers fan, and when you're when you're playing for when you're playing for a club, um, you have to try and do your best. And it was a big relief for us because you, you don't want any manager getting sacked as well. I know I'm a, I'm a big fan of Roddy too, um, so we, we I think we dug in there to do Roddy a, you know a favour and do the job. But the Rovers fans and the Rovers players were dejected. They were, you know, they were. You could see it hurt, you know. Uh, Bowles having a good European run at the moment. Uh, you scored the winner uh, in UEFA Cup over uh, Aberdeen. So that was a fond memory for you. Yeah, that was brilliant. Um, I was going to sign up for them. We won a couple of games. I think we played against uh, Galway the game before it, and uh, we played the front. I played the front of my own, and we had a couple. We had a couple of little things. Uh, a few things that really wanted to happen during the game, like if we got a corner, he wanted to just knock it out with a throw in, just to confuse them and all that kind of stuff. But 
it was a strange old thing he was trying to do, but we got, our first corner we got was, I think it was in the 87 minute. And he was saying, just knock it out, just knock it out. And I didn't, I just whipped it in and Shawnee Mare got on the head of it, got a head on of it and uh, scored. And then I think uh, Daniel O'Keefe won two with me and Daniel O'Keefe and he got the penal. Um, so we got the penal again and it was another one of those things where no one else wanted to take it. So I had to stand up, you know. Uh, so I stood up and took the penal and yeah, again, luckily enough, I went in. Great night as well. I probably should apologise to Pete, man. Um, I pulled a point of Guinness over him in the, in the dressing room, just being excited that he's only had to put his suit and all back on. But yeah, great night, great memories as well. And some notoriously uh, feisty derbies back then. Uh, were you on the pitch for balls the night of the pig's head that yeah. was thrown? Yeah, I was. I was indeed. Uh, my good friend, Tony Grant. Brilliant lad. Um, great Rovers player as well. Uh, yeah, it was a feisty hour, a feisty hour reception he got. It was brilliant. I enjoy all that. I enjoy all that. I got loads of stuff as well. I got lashed out by Rowers before his game with him. Uh, back, I think, up in Dundalk, up in uh, Drotter, where the Drotter fans are booing me and the Rowers fans are booing me. You know, so it, it's it's great. All that kind of stuff. Uh, I like all that. I like, you know, I like being billed and I like, you know, just to get you going. Like, it, it fuels the, gets the blood boiling, you know? You'd probably say it's similar for uh, Gary Twig. He seemed to relish the, the balls games. He scored five goals. I think you scored six. So you obviously just love those derbies. Yeah, you have to. They're, like when you when the season starts and you you look up when when we when we playing balls. You know when are we going to daily melt? Because back then we hadn't got a ground. You know where uh, we probably had to pay in daily melt twice. Or you know all that kind of stuff. Um, but you look you look for that, and you look at their players. You look at their team. You think you're thinking right, we can deal with them. We want to deal with them, you know that kind of way. And so it is the first, uh, it's the first match you look for. But it's an important, it's an important game. Whether you are up the top of the table, bottom of the table, because you don't want to lose that. You know, you, if you get beaten two one at home by shells, and you go out the following week and you beat both three 0 at home, you're a happy man, you know. We are delighted to get the call to come back to Rovers and what sort of club was it when you came back? Yeah, when I come back, it was great because when I first came back, there was a few players still there. Obviously, Derek Tracy was still there, uh, Mark Kenny and uh, Jason Codwell. They were all still there. They're all proper Rovers men, Rovers players, true and true. And uh, reception wise, I got out and was like, "Oh no, here's this little maggot again," you know, like that. But uh, yeah, I come in and it did all right before when I first came in. I really enjoyed it and played up front with some great players with Noel Hunt and. Stephen Grant and Tony Grant, all them kind of players, it was great. Um, we were probably missing one or two players and the club had not really got the money at the time to go out and get them, but that's all we are missing. We are missing one or two players, maybe a centre-half to play with Terry Palmer or just just one or two things that was missing where we could have gone and challenged them, but it was difficult back then. There wasn't much money at the club, you know, back then. But yeah, it was, it was, I, really, I, I, I loved playing with Rowers. It was, it was my favourite thing to do. I probably didn't play my best football there, but I really enjoyed it. It was, uh, I was a Rowers fan as a kid and it was one of the things I wanted to do, you know, like that. I had my book list sort of thing. It was 2003 probably one of your best seasons because you were a top goal scorer, even though on the pitch we came 7th out of 10th, like we probably should have done better that year. Absolutely. Um, yeah, again, I'm, I'm lucky enough I got the players that I was playing behind me made a lot of chances. Um, it's a dream playing with Mark Kenny. <laughs> He's a... Uh, when he gets the ball, he, I don't, I don't, he doesn't even look up. He just knows where I'm going to be. He used to just ping the ball over the top of me and again score a couple of goals and all that. But yeah, being top goal scorer with Rovers, again, another thing on my bucket list. Um, I always wanted to do it. 
I wanted to do it as a kid when I was 17, when I had the labour hours and all that. But the season itself was tough. As I just said to you, it was, we, we were missing a couple of players. Um, and back then, the, the Shells teams and the Bowes teams, they punished you. You know, they, they didn't, they never let up. If they, if they had a chance to kill off a team, they'd kill off a team. It was difficult. Even though we were uh, top heavy as a team, we had good centre forwards and one or two good midfielders, we needed a, uh, another centre half in there and that, that kind of stuff, you know. Was that kind of consistent even from when you were first at the club in 96 that the, the, the other two big Dublin clubs, they kind of had more financial muscle and were always kind of up against it against them? Well then, see this is the funny part of it, um, Rowers didn't have a ground um, and when you don't have a ground you don't have that income coming in and um, you don't have that, uh, how can I say, like if, you, if we get beaten on the road, the first thing that a manager says to you, we get home, we recuperate and no one beats us at home. And we never had that at Rovers. And it was difficult, and it's difficult for the players, it was difficult for the manager, and it was definitely difficult for the fans. Um, and to, to, to be successful in League of Ireland, you had to start at the beginning, you had to start at home. And we, we just didn't have it, you know? So we were always fighting, we were always, always playing away. We played 32 games away every year. We never played at home because we hadn't got at home. You know, so it's difficult uh, to win at or to, to have your to start off somewhere, it's always difficult if you haven't nowhere to start off from. One place that's definitely not home is Cork. Did you play in that home game? Did they play in the home? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Did we play a home game in Cork? We did, three, yeah. Oh, we did actually. Yeah, we did. Um, I don't remember much of the game, but yeah, I think I did play in that game, yeah. I think I did, <laughs> yeah. One game in Cork. I think we had two in, in um, UCD's ground, didn't we? Um, yeah, we played everywhere. Jeez, we played at home in... Talca, Richmond, everywhere, wasn't it? The RDS. Madness. Madness when you think about it. Was the Intertoto Cup uh, probably the highlight of 2003? Because we, we hadn't won a European game in like 30 years. Uh, so that win over Odger in Poland, was that a massive one? That was a big, big game. I remember I remember it well. It was, that was when Liam Buckley was in charge, wasn't it? Yeah. Because yeah, um, I remember having a right old argument <laughs> the night before the match with him. Because uh, I wasn't starting and all that kind of stuff. But it was like the signing and the players were established in the side at the time, you know, and they were playing well. The two, it was the two grants I played up front. I think it was, yeah. Um, but it was a great experience. I think, come on. But we played really well over there. That was, that was actually one of the days we, uh, as a football team with the Rovers, we got it down and passed it about and knocked it about two touch. Uh, and all the game plan that Liam Buckley uh, employed, implemented, it, it worked well for us over there. Yeah, that was first European win in 20 years, just to correct myself, 1982. So it was yeah. a really significant moment for the fans. What was Liam Buckley like as a manager? Were you fond of him? Yeah, yeah, a lot of time for Liam. Um, I think he, Liam brought the best out of me as a footballer because he gave me so much, so much confidence. And uh, coming from a centre forward who he played in Spain, and you know, he's a Rovers legend, like, you know, like that. He, he used to always throw it at me when he was at Rovers. Many goals have you got? You haven't got as many as me, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just to push me on. Um, but a gentleman, um, coaching-wise, he's second to none. Manager, brilliant. Um, probably a dodgy Barnet, but besides that, he's a, you know, he's a great lad. And again, a Rovers legend. Would he be, this is around 2003, would he be selling the dream of Tata to Rovers even at that point? You know, we're still six years away from it being built, but the message would still kind of be, it's just around the corner, we'll be in there in a couple of months. Every manager, every single manager, um, every chairman, um, but you wanted to believe it. I wanted to believe it back then, you know. We, we all did. Uh, 
it, it, again, it, it's tough. And you want to believe them, you know, sort in your head, it's not really going to happen because the finances and where, where do you got to build it? How do you got to build it? Where's the money coming from? Probably struggling to pay the wages at the time, you know, like that. Um, but you do, you want, you want to believe. Uh, I wasn't lucky enough to play in it, but I was lucky enough to train on the pitch. Uh, right at the end of it, we all did. It was very funny. Me, Mark Kenny, Stephen, uh, me, Mark Kenny, and uh, Derek Tracy and all, we were just kicking the ball about on the pitch. And we like, just the, the three of us looking at each other, going, Look, we could, could have had this six, seven, ten years ago. Like, you know, it, it, it was difficult, but we did. I, I wanted to believe that I was going to get to play in the stadium. Ended up not happening, but you know, it's just one of those things. You mentioned the wages there. Uh, obviously, a lot of times our pay, wages went unpaid. I think there was one point, wasn't there, where the players were threatening to not train or play a match just to kind of make a stand? Yeah. Uh, just, there's, there's all backstories to it and all. Like I, I would have been uh, pro at Rowers at the time. It would have been my only income and all. And I think there was a famous thing put in the head that someone found out that one of my, my wages got uh, bounced in my local pub, you know, it's, it's all stupid things when you look back at it, but in saying that, the club was, the, the people behind the scenes were fighting hard for the club, you know, now back then when I was 21, 22, I'd be snotting out a little man, you know, like that, I want me money and I want to be paid for the stuff I was doing and all, but now when you think back and look back at all the work that people have put into, people selling their houses, trying to keep the club afloat, all that kind of stuff, um, sort of put a, puts a bit in perspective, you know, like that. But yeah, there was times where it was hard when we missed a few weeks' wages. And I know for a fact it, was, it happened to me for a few weeks. I know for a fact that half, ten, five, six players went without wages for half a season. Um, and just didn't accept that until you know the club got floating and all that. But yeah, it was difficult. Uh, 2004, this is when you won the Player of the Year awards. I know you were a top scorer the year before, but was that a particularly good season for you? Do you think you played especially well that year? Um, yeah, I, I done all right. I done, I done all right. Um, it was probably the fact that no one else did exceptionally well out there. I won it, but it's again that's another thing off my bucket list. I got to play with Rowers. I got top goals going. I got Player of the Year. You know, um, yeah, I, I, I done all right that year. But we uh, with the team we had again, we were missing two or three players. Like we had Paddy McCart and all them kind of players playing. And we we should have done a hell of a lot better, but again, it's difficult when there's not enough money and there's not enough. Uh, there's no stadium, and there was. I don't think there was anywhere to train at the time. I think we were training, I believe, in Phoenix Park or something like that. Um, it was difficult for the players as well. For me, it wouldn't have been because when they go and play football, it's just there's a pitch and the ball. And it could be anywhere. It could be on the moon. It could be out there. It could be anywhere. And um, we just loved playing football back then. But I know for players that when you haven't got a home, as I was saying to you earlier on. It's difficult, especially for managers. Again, it's very difficult. You you've nowhere to stay from, you know, like that. When you look at the list of winners of Player of the Year, like it's an illustrious list. I think Liam Buckley won it twice. Did it mean a lot to you to win that award? And do you remember the ceremony itself? I do. I do remember. It was in a little pub up in Tallaght. Um, I remember it very well. Uh, and the, the plaque itself, I didn't want to give it back. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a great feeling, boy, when you get picked by the rest of your players um, and the manager as well. Uh, there, there probably was a little tear as well, to be honest with you, because as I said, it's something that I wanted to fight for. Um, I wanted to fight with the Jays and I wanted to fight. That's a, probably a personal thing than with the Player of the Year award. I wasn't looking for that, but I was fighting to be the best player every day in training. I was fighting. To, any manager I've ever had, it's probably something you don't know about me is that I trained the way I played. You know, I never missed a training session, a gym session, never missed anything like that. And that year, I, I done all right. It, it wasn't exceptional, 
I scored a few goals and made a few goals, but my role back in the team wasn't really scoring goals then. It was making goals for the other centre forwards and bringing people into play and all that kind of stuff, which again was difficult to change from one position to another. But yeah, it was a great thing to win the Player of the Year. So the fans recognised you as Player of the Year. Um, what do you think about your sort of, I don't know if you would call it a love-hate relationship. You mentioned earlier you got a few boos early on, but you did win them over pretty quickly, didn't you? Yeah, it was. Look, the, the first time he bailed me, I think uh, it was my me, me first game for Rovers and uh, I got built coming on and we were getting beaten 1-0. I think I scored the two of them in the second half and I come on and you know they cheer you coming off. And that's just the way football is. I, I'd be building someone else, you know, when, <laughs> well, I wouldn't be building, but I'm saying that other players were getting built in the next minute that I hear you know. That's the way football is. If you keep working hard, you'll get your breaks and things like that will happen. But, yeah, I, I, got, I see a lot of Rovers fans now, and if I'm, well, not the last year I saw with the COVID, but before that, I'd see them and you'd get the little acknowledgement, the little nod in the head, but all the old all the old fans, all the lads that was there when I was playing in the reserves and all that, um, they, they, when they see me, you know, there's, no, there's nothing better to stop and have a chat. Um, we've also gone into the Phoenix Park and had a cup of tea, one or two of them and all that, they're brilliant here. And they're great with me, they show a lot of love and respect, and all the Rovers fans, to be fair, have done. Um, over the years, after I scored a couple of goals, now. you have to score a couple of goals. You have to. <laughs> in your case, you you had affection for the club. You still do. You wore your heart in your sleeve. In the 2005 season, though, did you see a few players who were kind of just there for the the paycheck? Really, you can't. You see, that's that's something difficult to say. I, w- I wouldn't say that, but you could say, uh, yeah, they didn't wake up with the club with the first thing on their mind. You could say that. Um, yeah, you see, players, it's, it's difficult, you know, play, most players are like mercenaries, just go where the money is and that, all that kind of stuff. But with me, with Rovers, it was uh, it was difficult. As you said, I had a bit of a lovely affair with them. Um, I fell in love with them. Um, I think I got to see one game in Glenmore Park. Um, and then when Ray Tracy brought me over, I just fell in love with the place. Be, I have still have my jersey upstairs with Weirpool on it. It's going nowhere, you know, like that. Um, I still have the purple jersey that came out years ago. Remember the old purple one and all that? I have a jersey from Stephen Gagan, the year that we won the league. Um, I have a few up-to-date jerseys. They're my club. Um, other players wouldn't see it like that. Other players would have seen it as a stepping stone to go from here to there to there. I wanted to stay there. I loved the, I loved the fans. I loved the club itself. I loved the history about it. And I would, for me, it was a dream come through, as I said, just to play, to go to uh, the... the Top goal scorer and the player of the year. That was how you unveiled your your Rovers tattoo. Oh, stop! <laughs> yeah. Didn't think that was going to come up. I'm actually thinking about getting the cover up now at the moment. But uh, no, it's it just again, it was just something I wanted to do. I wanted to show. I wanted to. Sh- I don't know why I wanted. When I started person, I wouldn't want to uh, give out away. But uh, I wanted to show the world I'm a Rovers fan, and I was thinking, like, what can I do? Like, you know, I'm walking hard of doing the da da da, and yeah, so. Right, come on, we get a tattoo. So uh, me and Barry Ryan had a <laughs> had a smart idea to get a tattoo. Yeah, he got something on his back, and I got rowers on my arm. So yeah, it was <laughs> a funny. It was a funny time. Funny time. A rebellious time in my life. Two thousand five. I mean, it was a decent team, albeit we kind of lost some key players in the summer because of you know, financial difficulties. We had to let the likes of. Paddy McCart go and when you saw the hat-trick he scored against Bray I mean he was a special player oh, stop. If, if you look at that goal if you took, I think it's his second goal if you look at his goal um, 
uh, on the, it's on the, obviously on the RTA, but you look at it, you can see me with my hands and my head like that. You know, he, the, the camera's coming over my head and it's looking at him going in and now 17 players coming back and beating them three or four more times and then scoring. And you just see me standing there like that. You know, like, what the, where did that come out of? Like, but yeah, Paddy was exceptional. Um, as soon as he got you on the back foot, he, uh, you're finished, you're gone. And even in training, you know exactly what he was going to do. Same with Wesley Hill, and he knew exactly what these players are going to do, but there's nothing you can do about it. If you, if you, if you don't go and block the shot, they score the goals. If they do it again, you're on your ass, you know. But yeah, I think Jason Gavin got a couple of injuries, didn't he, that year? Um, Brian Shelley got injured as well for a long part of that season as well. We had a lot of injuries. Um, again, we were top heavy and not really strong at the back. Mifay um, was decent. Yeah, there was a. It was a tough, tough, very tough year. That was probably my toughest year in soccer. Very tough. And I, I don't know, I, I, I missed a year over Motherwell with my knee and all that. That, that would push that off my shoulder. But that year was tough, yeah. Actually, you were reunited with Roddy at this stage. He had brought you the balls, he brought you to Carlisle. <coughs> Did you enjoy it under him, even though it ended badly? Yeah. Um, our first training, session, first training session was in Crumlin, in the boxing gym. And... Uh, we didn't, we didn't uh, leave on speaking terms in Carlisle, so uh, the first thing he did was Malloy into the boxing ring, he jumped in as well, right, let's go, let's have this out, right, get it over and done with, we'll have a knock and we'll leave it at that. And I'm going, oh shit, this was, this was serious, like, all right, into the ring, top off, right, let's go, we go, sit back down there, you know, just, just to break the ice with the rest of the players as well. Um, yeah, it was, again, it was tough on Roddy as well, we hadn't... He had decent players. He's the one that brought Jason Gavin in. Um, he brought Paddy McCart in as well, didn't he? He brought these players in. Um, but again, they got injured at a certain time in the season and we didn't get a run going. And saying that, the players that we did have when, we, when they were fit, we should have done a hell of a lot better. We really should have done a hell of a lot better. But yeah, Roddy is a, Roddy's a character. He's a really, really good character. Great man, great footballer man. Uh, Coaching-wise, again, second to none. Brilliant, brilliant he is. You know, we obviously didn't walk out of Rovers. Um, <laughs> and he, he is a true and true bowls man, but he, he, he walked hard and all that for Rovers. Uh, didn't walk out. These things happen. These happen in football. Was it a chaotic last uh, month or so of the season? Because you had, you had the new board taken over Rovers. It's now fans on the club. Roddy gets suspended and we bring in Alan O'Neill for the playoffs. So talk about that period. Yeah, it was very, very, that was very, very strange. Um, probably understand what they did with, with Roddy uh, and then bringing Alan O'Neill and um, who was the other fellow they brought in? Bleeding gentleman, grey hair, Noel Sinner. Was it Noel Sinner? It was Noel Sinner, wasn't it? And uh, they brought him in and they just trying to calm everything down. Um, I think we are, it was, it was just, it was, at that time, we were all over the place. You know, we had no ground. We'd no manager, the two lads are coming in, they wanted to change a couple of things. Um, I think they took me out as captaincy and gave it to Shelley for some reason. I can't remember what that was all about. I know I wasn't happy with that, but it just didn't, it didn't work the way it should have. Um, now, the things had to be changed because obviously they weren't working because we were in the playoff, they stay in the league. But it just didn't work out. Um, Alan O'Neill, absolute legend. Gentleman, I see him in town, always stop, say hello. Um, one of my heroes growing up as well. Um, and he, he was devastated out the game as much as I was. You know, uh, again, a really difficult time. As painful as it is, could you just start of what's your memories of that playoff game and when the final whistle came, I suppose? Uh, 
I just I hit the ground. I totally dejected I was. I the blood ran down my face. Uh, yeah, that it was tough. I know, I know a lot of Rovers fans come over to me. Um, sort of picked me up and all, and you know, don't worry about it. Gave me a few pats on the head, and I think one that gave me a belt as well. Actually, <laughs> to be honest, you know, grew up, you know, nothing uh, sinister. Just you know, grew up. Come on, you know, we get back next season that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, a few days later, you know, I didn't leave the house for a few weeks after. Um, I was living out in Tallaght as well at the time. Uh, it was very tough, very tough. Uh, you could see it on the fans' faces as well. And uh, feeling the step behind when we were coming out. They weren't really having a go, they, just, they were just upset, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. So I suppose it kind of showed that no one is too big to go down, even a massive institution like Shamrock Rovers. And do you remember it being a massive deal at the time that Rovers had been relegated for the first time in their history? Yeah, yeah. And I still get a bit of stick over it. The first captain that we got the Shamrock Rovers uh, <laughs> relegated. But in, in, in hindsight, it's, it's, a, it's probably the best thing that happened to them. Uh, the club was all over the shop at the time. It really and truly was. And to go down and to rebuild the game from scratch, it was probably the best thing that got to happen. And they had a decent manager as well in, in, in Scully. And the board was only taken over. So it sort of gave them a bit of time as well. You know, to, to, to stop all the... They were probably paying over the odds with one or two players as well. Um, and just to go down there and just to start from scratch was probably, a good, probably the best thing that could have happened then. You know, um, to probably to stay in the league. And they probably would have to pay players X amount of money and get themselves the more kind of debt and all. Um, so yeah, that's the best spin I can put on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's probably the best spin I can put on it for for the Rovers fans there. But it was, it was difficult. It was really, really tough. And you wanted to play a part in 2006. You wanted to help us bounce back up under Scully, but uh, it wasn't to be. No. Um, and it, 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 looking back now, I can realise, I can see he's. Uh, I can see his point of view now. Um, he wanted to do it his way and he wanted to bring in young, fresh, hungry players. And that's okay, but I said to him, I said, I was willing to take a 50 foot, a 50% wage cut. It, wasn't, it didn't bother me at all at the time. My wife was working at the time. <laughs> Go out a second. Uh, my wife was working and all that kind of stuff. and. So it wouldn't have really bothered me, but I wanted to go down. I wanted to stay there and you know give it a shot to get the club back up. Um, it wasn't the big, um, but that's 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 football for you. I moved on and yeah, it was tough. Uh, Pat, uh, Scully done a great job. To be fair to him, he got them back up and he got them back up and playing in the right way as well. As I said, they were all young and hungry and all that. And the board done a great job uh, supporting them and getting and starting them all over again. You finished your career at Glen Avon, you had a good spell there. In terms of your last ever League of Ireland match, it was funny enough, the cup final, the, the last game at the, the old Lansdowne Road when you scored for Pats. Yeah, um, what was it? Look, Armageddon that match was. Uh, the, the wind was blowing her all over the shop and it was, to, it was tough for both teams. It, again, looking up, I scored a penalty. We'll have to start counting these penalties. Eh? Both goals are scored the penalties at the 88 minute and then I think Clive Delaney got a header and then during the extra time and the I think he probably deserved an extra time, but over the 90 minutes, um, I think we Pats at the time we, we should have winning it. Uh, I think I gave away the free kick that they scored from as well. Johnny McDonald doesn't uh, I still don't think he talks to me over that. But yeah, great experience to play in the in the in the Lansdowne Road, the FEA FEO Cup final. You know, it's brilliant. We were just asking ourselves earlier, uh, where, where are you from originally? Oh, Shadow Street. Originally from Shadow Street, uh, in a city. Uh, we, we were brought up Brindley down there. We had two football pitches, the best football pitches in the country. 
and that's all we had and uh, down there um great community and sheriff we see at the moment they're flying you know the a great football club they bring a lot of players through at the moment so uh, yeah that's that's where i'm from and did you have robert's family uh, no, a few of my uncles, a few lads in town. Um, that's what, that's my first game, and uh, the first game I ever seen at Glenmore Park. We were just out and about. It was like about ten years of age or something. I just run across the bridge and lost in Milltown or something like that. Forty miles away in Chelsea or something. It was, it was just something like that, and we just snuck into the ground, and that was it. Um, that was my first experience. Then after that was all, you know, ray tracing that. And I think I know the answer to this because I asked you before years ago, but favourite goal you've ever scored? Favourite goal I ever scored? First one comes to mind. Uh, Rovers against Bowes in Dalymount Park. Uh, the goalkeeper rolled the ball out and I hit behind the goals. Um, and Shane Robinson was blocking the keeper and I was no, get away, move, move. You know? And he sort of looked at me and went, oh yeah, I know what you're doing. I said, just go on. Uh, all the Bowes fans are screaming, he's behind you, he's behind you. And, he, and I looked over there, all the Rowers fans are going, like that, you know? And it, it's, it's, it's really surreal, like, you know, it's, it was just so funny. Um, so he rolls the ball out, he was left footed, the keeper, I can't think of his name, but the, the keeper rolled the ball out, with left foot, ran around him. And it's this big, huge goal to hit the ball into. And I had to put it in the top corner. <laughs> and as he hit, I was going, please, please go in, please. But yeah, that probably that goal probably sums me up, you know, like that cheeky little shit and uh, again scored a couple of goals, but yeah, it was brilliant. My favourite favourite goal of all time has to be. Has uh, really has to be, it was brilliant to us. It's like a panto, look behind you. Yeah, exactly like that. He's behind you, no he's not, yes he is, yeah. It was uh I mean great fun, we great fun about the goal as well because uh what's the goalkeeper's name? I can't take his name. Shay Kelly, yeah. Um that night. We all, it just so happens the both teams went to a uh, couple of face jacks and uh, the bowls are here and the rowers are there and we were up there and we got to the bar and I went over and took his wallet out of his pocket and I gave it back to him and said, I'm at the doing you twice tonight, you know, like that. So, yeah, it was great fun. It was great fun and I loved that goal, I really loved that goal. Isn't it? And last question, where did the nickname Billy Boy come from? Uh, Billy's Boots. Billy's Boots, and my dad's name is William, and he used to call him Billy as well. But Billy's Boots, the magazine, um, they'll stay with that because growing up, I always just walked around with a football in my hand. Um, I used to go, I was actually 35 and she told me I had to stop sleeping with a ball at the end of the bed, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed my football, I enjoyed my career. And the Billy, the Billy Boy was, yeah, Billy's Boots out of the magazine just because constantly walking around with a ball. I used to have the ball hit around the corner from the school. All that kind of stuff. So the minute I came out of school, I had the ball. Yeah, that's that's Billy Boy. So Billy Boy, prof, he was a he's a great guy, and still plays ball to this day. I think still playing. It's coaching with sheriff. He's one of them. He's one of them that just. Oh yeah, actually, hold on, hold on. Jason Bourne outside the four provs before the before the Sligo, but before the the Harps bus. I didn't see him. Jason Bourne. Yeah, thing. One of the lads told me. Hendo off Captain's Road. Tommy goes. Jason Bourne's down there. Goes. No, he's not. <laughs> Went down and was having a chat with him. And uh, sure, it wasn't John Harper. As I as I was chatting with him, I was like, "Can you can you see that, Jay?" He goes, "What?" He goes, "It's fucking flying." He goes, "What is this? It's your pillow." <laughs> Still fucking flying. He goes, "Fuck off." <laughs> I. That was me 10. That was my Brilliant. 10. I drew him in. How are you getting on? Playing well for Bluebell. He's still coaching, doing a bit, yeah. Oh, jeez, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? <laughs> Fucking lord him right in. I'm very proud of you right now. Oh, that was just as the bus was leaving. Very proud. 
Um, but, great, uh, great stuff. But uh, back to Billy Boy, yeah, we, we'd actually interviewed him before. Uh, for you eagle-eyed listeners, or whatever the equivalent is of listening, but uh, I think it was back in 2017, we got him in the suite. But it was only about ten minutes. It was it was a bit rushed, so that was more of a long form interview with uh, with Trevor, and it was lifted from the documentary. That's why I'm asking about the, the six four and sanctuary and uh, bows and stuff like that. But uh, poor Shay Kediger, the bows keeper. Remember he uh, Trev nicked the ball off him. Oh, and brilliant, brilliant. There's not many of them. There's not many of them in the league world history. No, Dion Dublin famously did it to Shay Gibbon, but. Uh, Robbie Keane did it, didn't he? What is it about goalkeeper's name? Shay. Shay Keddy, Shay Given. Both got, got mugged. Getting mugged, prof. And he told that story before. And uh, I, I did remember that the same night in, it was a bar or a nightclub, he, uh, he nicked Shay's wallet off him. Oh my God. Yeah, and he goes, I'm after mugging you again. No. <laughs> I'd say that was yeah. the only thing he was thinking of the second he saw Shay in the pub. Yeah. He says, I'm going to take something belonging to him again. <laughs> and fittingly, he did that in 2004, the year he won Player of the Year. Brilliant. Brilliant stuff, bro. And uh, I just want to plug something got to do with Trevor. Uh, like I said, he's uh, coaching with Sheriff now. And there's a fundraiser going on at the moment. It's for a young Sheriff player. So he texted this to me. He said, uh, this diamond of a lad plays full back for me on Sheriff under 18 he's played for the club all his life and I've had the pleasure of knowing Keane since he was 5 years old he's been diagnosed with brain tumours and has to undergo intense chemotherapy and radiotherapy we at Sheriff are running a number of fundraisers for Keane football blitz raffles sponsored walks and the like so if anyone is in a position to donate or give spot prizes to raffles we would be very grateful so I'll put the link in the SoundCloud link. I'll throw it up on social media for the GoFundMe. Uh, or you can search GoFundMe. It's called Support uh, Keen. So Please give what you can, guys, yeah. and uh, click on that link, okay? So that was Billy Boy Prof. And the other results, Prof, we're going to go with the Waterford 1, Dundalk 1. Um, good result again at home. You've done it twice now. <laughs> so, uh, one of Pat 3, yeah. Longford 2, C Block getting on the score sheet. And Pats apparently weren't great. If you look, if you look back at Longford's goals, like ninety percent of them in the last month have been scored by C Block. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they sing his praises there. Does he get another chance with us? Possibly. I don't know. It's hard to tell, Prof. It's hard I don't to know tell. unless we sign Colin Whelan. Yeah, because that man is on fire. And the under twenty ones, I think he scored for the twenty ones as well. He might have came yeah, on, yeah. so he's doing well. That guy, he's on our radar yeah. for a while. Just on Mark Bersham, actually, you know that, that stat on his Wikipedia page? And he said it in his interview as well. He likes to say it a lot. It's a cracker of a stat. And I love it. That he's the only man to like make his international debut for a country without yeah. ever setting foot in that country. Yeah, pretty cool. I'm sorry to be... I'm not trying to rain anyone's parade here, but... Can that be verified? Like, how, how would you go about verifying that? He's, it's all about honesty, isn't it? Have you ever been in Canada? No. No, no, no. I'm no doubt that he hadn't been in Canada. Oh yeah, that, that yeah. there's someone else. That he's the only one. I'd say that's his claim to fame. Yeah, he's a yeah. chancer. He's cockney boy. I'm just saying. Do we know the place of birth of every player to play for Tunisia in the last hundred years? 
I love how this stat is annoying you. We do not know that. I love how this is an unverified stat and you've decided to call <laughs> it out. I love it. Why do you think I steer clear of date of birth stats? It's very tricky. I get asked this all the time. Oh, who's the youngest player and the oldest player? I'm like, I'm not interested because <laughs> I don't have the facts. <laughs> The draw had a nil slow on nil probably said it was the worst game on the planet. Absolute muck. Um, away fans allowed into away for club competitions again just to rub salt in our wounds. So definitely would have been a few casualties in those away trips. Yeah, and um, <clears throat> Estonia, well, they ended up getting hockeyed 5 2, but they were actually beating Belgium at one point. And I think they had four floor players in the lineup. And then against Northern Ireland, the following game. They had seven players mm. in their starting 11. So definitely a good team. There's no messing yeah. around there. Prof Liam Scales um, has finally gotten onto that magic airplane. And he's in the Celtic Europa League squad. And now he's in the Ireland squad for the Serbia game. So he was in the Ireland squad for the Serbia game. Yeah. Which is gone. But um, yeah, magic airplane. Strikes again. <laughs> I have a brief first division roundup for you, Gar. Go on. If you're ready. It's in two doses. So first of all, Gary Shaw... Scored a hat-trick. A ten-minute hat-trick, I think. As a second-half substitute. Yeah. Those are goals counting yeah. the bet, by the way. <laughs> and Connor Kearns was red-carded for jumping and catching a football. Literally. Is that what it was? Well, he needs someone in the face in the process. You <laughs> <laughs> just happened to leave that bit out. <laughs> but it looked more like he was just jumping and catching a football. Oh. I mean, Carl tweeted and says this, Grace. I know that's not the best unbiased source I can offer his brother but total it, <laughs> most biased opinion in the world no it looked like it looked a shocker of a decision oh, so well, unfortunately I might get a tirade of messages saying now come on he's after knee in a UFC style but get out of the club etc etc yeah. I also loved just to rewind a bit on Dundalk there they've drawn at Waterford I was listening to the the RTE podcast talk about you know the usual 30 seconds they donate to Dundalk and their plight <laughs> and it's like this is this is the exact tone of this conversation right the host goes are you surprised that yeah Adrian Ames yep yeah I like, are him. You, I like him oh yeah I like him good host are you surprised that Dundalk are where they are and then the reply I think it was Stephen Elliott is yes I am the fans will be worried they don't want to get sucked into a relegation dogfight. They're in that already. And bro. I'm like, you know me, I have my hands in the air. I'm like, They're in one! I'm like, the biggest budget in the league. They're second from bottom. And that's your tone to build this. Yeah. I think they have two, what, two games in hand over Harps. Harps are five points ahead. But either way, they are in a dogfight. They are spending thousands a week on players, mercenaries. And this is not a talk about, maybe they're fed up. Maybe they're fed up. But why? I know, I know, Filippo signed them. But why don't they bring up their bleeding kamikaze transfer policy at the start of the season? It's hilarious. Do it you know was how, a shambles. Do you know how good this book is going to be when when they do bring it out? It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be really good read. Prof Pico Lopez played the full ninety minutes of Cape Verde in their one-one draw versus the Central African Republic in a World Cup qualifier on Wednesday last week, and provided an assist yesterday against Nigeria. So that's Tuesday as we recorded. He is banging for fucking for Cape Verde. He's really popular there, isn't he? He's starting, getting assists. Yeah. His assist, the Pico Ping. I've never seen him spray a pass like that for <laughs> it was, overs. It was a lovely ball. Lovely ball. 
Excellent stuff. So really good for him. He's over this week, I'm guessing as well. So, well, I'm ruling them out. I can't imagine he's on a plane now. He could be home. I think that didn't the rules change after he quar- yeah, quarantined sports that stars time. or whatever they call them. Bazulu Prof played all three games for Ireland in the past week. Ching ching He played all three games for Ireland against Portugal, Azerbaijan, and Serbia, and we were recording during the Portugal game, so we never got to talk about Ronaldo's. So that's Portugal, six figures. Azerbaijan, six figures. Serbia, six figures. Get that into you. We're in the money, baby. So yeah, Stephen Kenny still hasn't won a competitive game in fifteen attempts. I'm not even going to talk about it. Not going to talk about the Kenny debacle. Not going to oh, talk no. about Ireland as a team. I don't want... No, it's not getting anything. Mm-hmm. Right? But like you said, we were recording during that Portugal game last week with the late brace of Ronaldo headers. And I was saying to you, like... It that was like, second header, prof. Oh, it's outrageous. He's the best header of a ball ever. Ever. Who... Like, in our lifetime that we've seen. Fuck off, will you? Just fuck off. <laughs> like... Ugh. But in fairness, yeah. like the ref was fucking shocking as well. Like it's he's just yeah he was in awe of Ronaldo, wasn't he? Yeah, but um, that like doing a Twiggy Twiggy Derby, like a two goals to win from behind at the end. I I've seen that a few times, but I have never seen two headers like that to win a game. Outrageous! With the same player in the last few minutes. Outrageous! He just steps up, doesn't he? Yeah, put it on his head. Great start that uh, Ireland haven't won a competitive match since John Delaney left the FEI. Oh my god, that's brilliant. <laughs> he is a fucking menace, isn't he? Yeah. Did you read the tweet I sent in to the group about what he's doing now? Working for different firms and It's in London, isn't it? Yeah, what well, he's actually has to because he's he's been involved in a court case, he had to actually explain his role and they explained it as well. It's a couple of good tweets mm. going around about it. Absolute yeah. chancer of a bloke. He's been pictured. He was pictured at games a few times, wasn't he? Points in at, hand. At the Euros. Points in hand. England Germany game. He said that one. Shake yeah. But uh, yeah, Serbia was one all on Tuesday because death taxes and Ireland drawing one all. Did you see the stat about if you had to put one hundred euro on every Ireland one all draw since maybe I think it was two thousand three, something along the lines of that, you would be up seven million euro. I'm guessing that's tongue in cheek, though. No, it's not. It's real. Think about it. Do you know what convinced me is, is, is tongue-in-cheek? I like the little just shy of 7 million. To mm. me, that's a wink. <laughs> a little. Yeah. A little, there you go. But, um, but the Man City fans have taken notice of, of uh, Big Gav now, especially after that Serbia game where he was man the match, 11 shots on target, peppered at him. And, uh, give, him on, give him a go. Only beaten by that grey header, which, of course, bar stealers think he should have saved. Fuck off. And, and, and as well... How much are we going to get if he, if he plays for Man City in the Premier League? You know what I mean? <laughs> and hopefully he gets a good move. I don't know, I'll give him, sell him to Man United there for 60 million. Take that on as well. A few quid there. Don't think we, we won't be getting that set on because number one for City. But uh, do you see who's starting for them this weekend? If that's true, right, it's fucking heartbreaking, isn't it? Because it's just untar- it's unfortunate, really. But here's mm. the thing. He can either sit in the Man City, whatever you call it, the reserves or the, the Premier League 2 yeah. team. He can sit there and play a not really competitive league or he can go and get really good experience with Pompey who he's with now and he could make one appearance in the first team and then not make another one for months where I think he's right to be just staying and getting really good experience with a league one team so I think he's made totally made the right choice but Scott Carson prof Scott Carson well it's a bit of a fluke to have two keepers missing 
Don't Chelsea always do this as well? Sign a random keeper and not play him. Just pepper shots. He's the Talbot. Yeah. He's the, the Talbot version. Talbot in the Ireland squad <laughs> is Doc Harrison in the Man City squad. Yeah. Getting rallied over with shots. But it was revealed that Rovers are earning a six-figure sum for every Ireland appearance Gab makes and the lucrative contract clause is capped at a set number of competitive appearances by which time Rovers will have earned over close to an additional million euro prof. Get that in there. Geniuses at the club. Yeah, it's, it's competitive games only and it's capped at, we, we think it's 10. But uh, that wasn't it wasn't announced officially. But um, someone added up our kind of our, our profits this year. So you got like... 1.3 million from Europe, 200,000 from Aramakaniff, 600,000 from Scales, and then what are you talking there for 10? 1.5 million, maybe, hopefully, yeah. overall. Yeah, he'll probably get those by the end of the year as well. He'll probably hit 10 by the end of the year. So, uh, one of our very good pals, Barney, friend of the show, said this That Ireland clause is the best fucking clause I've ever seen for an LOI club. Brilliant way to milk a transfer. Finally, LOI clubs get the proper goods of a top prospect, and that's before they sell them for a decent lump and of course the ever quotable Barney watch out for the book that was a genius clause wasn't it unbelievable brilliant stuff it really was um, just seeing the potential he had and do you know what I'd say they just sat around and they were probably championship manager fans and like what what can we throw in here how can we take the piss these are fucking this is oil money like let's let's get it in there I wonder what City were thinking <laughs> yeah they were probably going now, yeah I know it's, it's loose change I'd, I'd say they literally made that sound Show show me the clauses in that contract. <laughs> Give it to them. Well, I'd say even City wouldn't have expected Gavin to make three. Is it three or four? I think three. Not so soon, anyway. And like he played against Luxembourg as well. Yeah. Is it four competitive appearances now? Possibly now, yeah. But the age of nineteen. Yeah. Not so soon, definitely yeah. not now. I don't think so. But brilliant stuff for us, anyway. But prof, good news with Jack Bourne leaving Apple. Well, hopefully, he comes back to us. Well, reportedly, I can't like he's a higher earner there. I think he poo pooed himself. He said. <laughs> He put up the shifty eyes, I think. Childishly laughing at that, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he, he's not going to stick around, is he? Oh, what What's next from him? He won't, I don't think he'll come back. I think he sees us as a step backwards, to be honest. And you could say that it is, because he's probably going to, he could go on and play Championship with Mick McCarthy. He could go on and play MLS. Or MLS, but I don't know. I'd love to have him back for the rest of the season. It's probably what we need, a little injection, isn't it? Mm. Underage results prop from the Roadstone project. We have the Rovers 19s winning 2 0 at UCD. The 17s beating Bowls 3 0 at Roadstone. That's a spanking. 17s ladies were beating 4 3 at home to DLR Waves, and the 15s were 4 2 winners over Finn Harps at the Academy. So, good weekend for the Young Hoops. And the official opener of the Astro pitch mm. at Kilcock Celtic. Sorry, Rovers <coughs> legend team faced Kilcock over 35s of oh, Bonog on Sunday. Kilcock are celebrating their 50th anniversary. We hit Beach Boy in the team, prof. Stroking home penals, and was, of I, course, Brad's are taking pictures with the fans at the end. <laughs> I was zooming in to see who I recognised. Yeah, I saw Brad's there crowning. What's Brian uh, Morris Rowe doing there? He's a yeah. Pats man, blatant Pats man. I think I saw Daryl too. Yeah, Daryl always. Yeah. Daryl turn up at the opening of an envelope if there's a football. Like. Mick Byrne must have been the manager, was he? Yeah, Mick Byrne. I'd say he got a few minutes at mm. the end though. Mick's at Furhouse, isn't he? He is, yeah. So, um, yeah, so great stuff for Kilcock and another one of our affiliates. Uh, the club confirmed Kevin Zeffi's transfer to Inter Milan and um, nowhere near what we, we'd be wanting. He didn't sign a pro contract. So I'd be looking into the ins and outs of this transfer, to be honest. I think there's some hijinks going on, possibly. We should have been able to nail him down, but unfortunately agents are the scourge of the transfer world at times. And I'm guessing 
something went a little bit wrong in that perspective. I think he would have got game time if we signed him on a pro. Maybe we could have got a fee out of him, but unfortunately, mm. agents are not exactly the most well thought of people in football. And unfortunately, once again, particularly when it comes to young kids, he's so, on the bench a few times, for us, wasn't he? Yeah, something's not right. Something's not right there for me. I I just don't think something went wrong. Something went right there. But either way, we move well, on. Went right for him. Yeah, yeah obviously yeah. there. But I think. I'm gonna say Bluebell 2025. Ivy, Ivy I mean, it's 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 a headline grabbing transfer. I mean, Shamrock Rovers to Inter Milan. That's that's pretty big. It's huge. It is huge. Without us ever seeing him kick a ball, really score a goal for the for the B team. That was it. But listen, we move on. Problem about Gary O'Neill, vote player of the month for August. This was a tough month. This is a tough month. Yeah, it's one of those where he didn't win by a big margin. Yeah, I there's think. not much Ga- there. Gaffney was second. We've gone from such a good month last year to such a stinking month after that. Like it, it's really frustrating. Yeah. But listen, then we had goal of the goal of the month. Uh, scales against Longford was chosen. Yep. Yeah. And the, the most recent Friday, I'm in love, prof. Uh, very good. Again, they had the dirty, dirty city guys. Very good. Very very good. Um, it's just steeped in culture and history, isn't it? You gotta yeah. love it. Do you know what stood out for me with that one? He talked about the Derry Finn Harps rivalry, and he was saying it's mostly coming from the de- from the Harps. Side. Yeah, yeah, they're not bothered. There's like the wasp yeah. flying around them. They're like, fuck off, the annoying wasp that won't leave you alone. And it just kind of it it kind of strikes me that that's probably always the case in a rivalry, isn't it? It's always going to mean more to one club than the other. Whether it's a little more or a lot more, I'd put that. I'd put us in that relationship. I'd say, Pats and Rovers. <laughs> that be similar. Oh, hundred percent, Pats and Sligo, especially. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. Anyway, prof. But, um, yeah. Great, uh, great listen again. Liam's Brazilian partner was very impressed with my pronunciation of his full name. Oh yes, do we like that one, prof? We like yeah. that one. Our, uh, we are now so- we're now sock friends as well. Soccer club. Get your socks if you want twenty percent off. Sorry. Don't use the LOI. Don't use Friday. I'm alive. Use Tifties to get twenty percent off your socks. <laughs> get Yizzer socks. Yizzer socks. <laughs> Tifties code twenty percent off. I'll be wearing them on Gogglebox. Actually, I what, what are the ones that are waiting here? This part, if you like this, I wore the Hargate Campos ones last week. I saw that. Yeah. And I have the Pavel Serna check this one for this week. How cool is that? I don't care what socks you wear as long as your <laughs> shorts of, are of a reasonable <laughs> length. I thought you liked that. Prof. Can you just, <laughs> just make sure they're longish? You I'm know what get, I mean. I'm gonna get the short shorts out with yeah. a prof. So uh, got a boxer short in sight as well. We had we had Liam and Dale talking about uh, the Bowes game. Uh, <laughs> Dale made me laugh talking about the kind of the misogyny and stuff, saying what happened to throwing pig's head on the pitch. Yeah. No, good wholesome family fun. <laughs> he probably doesn't know about Tony Co- Grant, does he? I, I, surely he knew. That's what I was thinking. Surely he knew that we actually have done that. He's probably thinking about Figo as he said yeah. that. But um, come on, son. Yeah. Down to the butchers. <laughs> yeah, that Derry fan <laughs> also made me laugh, saying nobody's talking about Derry getting third, and I just mumbled to myself, "Yeah, no one but Gary," because <laughs> dying <laughs> to prove me wrong. Oh, it's happening. But uh, and Dale says that Rovers fans are the only ones pressuring him to pick a club because apparently we think that we have him. Only matter of time. We did say that. Well, I'm not as confident though. I think Pats are sneaking up I, the rear I'm not going to say it publicly because I don't want to influence him. I know he listens. Fucking teachers. I, you know I, I said it to Liam. Yeah. I said from day one, 
I said Dale, Dale, or Dale will pick this club. I think so we'll see if I'm right. Dale, or Liam knows who I said. Yeah, it's the teachers' union, profits dragging them in there. Fucking teachers' mm-hmm. union. Well, hopefully the two copies of Tallow Time now will possibly nudge him towards Shamrock Rovers. So, uh, if they ever come back from the abyss, despite Liam's best efforts to lose them on the bus, he's like, I think he rang you on WhatsApp. Is this a bitch? Where's the what, what are you saying Liam Where's the books <laughs> Just go to bed Go to bed will you You're drunk <laughs> He was in bits though He was He was. He had. He's very very sick Let's all remember mm. that. He was very 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 sick He had to be Carted off And he was very very sick So let's all just remember that Sick no Doctor's hospital The whole lot <laughs> Sorry girl Or Liam Title time was only A carefully Curated book That I Dedicated six months of my life to, and then we, you know, got it published by you know a well-known publisher, and you know put money into it, and it's okay. I mean, they're gone now, but I mean, you know, I'll get you two more. It's fine. Thanks, Liam. So, prof, you know what's coming next? Start elevens and predictions. I'll mix it up again this week, do you know? Mixing it up again. Mixy mix. Right, I'm going to go Manus for you. Barry Cotter starts, Pico starts, and Hor starts, right? Joey's getting dropped. Joey's fucking dropped. No, 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 no. Joey's not getting dropped. Joey's getting rested. Mm. Oh, you want to do it? Ooh, Joey friends, football friends. If anyone deserves a rest, is this man right now. Joey is dropped slash rested, whatever way you want to call it, prof. Green or left wing back? Has to be. No one else. Not uh, Murphy then enough. No, definitely not. Green and left wing back, Finn right wing back. And I'm gonna go for an all action up top front. I think we need to we need to go at these and we need some sort of inspiration. So it's gonna be Gary O'Neill in the middle with Watts, Gaffney up top, Danny Mandrew and Idemo. Little bit of a change here, prof. It's the second week in a row you've wanted to start Idemo. Get him in there. But I think if we didn't start making Har- against Harps, Get probably him in there. won't do skipping it. Skipping around Friday. skipping around there, scoring goals. Get in there, Idemo. I want him in. So I'm going Alan Manis, Carter Price, or Carter Price, jeez, we're not that stuck. <laughs> so Manis, uh, Barry Cotter, Pico and Hoare, Finn on the right, Greener on the left, Watts in the middle with Gary O'Neill, Idemo, Gaffney and Danny, so you've got a good bit on the bench there. You've got Towel on the bench, you have uh, McCann on the bench. <laughs> Sorry for laughing. Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to say keep a clean sheet, keep a clean sheet and a 2-0 win, hopefully. And we get Gaffney and we get Oidemo on the, on the score sheet because... I mean, these are transformed under Bertram, aren't they? Yeah, he's I doing mean, a really good job. We won 4-1 up there. Having, we we were 1-0 down a half-time, I think it was, up there. And then we blitzed them second half. But that was during our winning run. Like yeah. We were playing with a swagger back then. This time, we, just, we need to get a win here. Just any smelly, scrappy old win will do. But I'm going to say 2-0... I'm actually not fussed about playing particularly well. Yeah. I just want to get the win here and then go into the Sligo game on the back of this win. Yeah. And then hopefully start, don't want to use the word click again, but start playing again. Yeah. So give me what you want there. Uh, that's from my me. team. Yeah. So who who did you drop for Mr. Uh, uh, I dropped Borky. Mako. You dropped Borky. So Borky on the bench and Tell on the bench there. 
Yeah, like you're thinking of picking item out, so it needs something different. Here. Yeah, it needs, because we're just stale at the minute. It's not happening. Something different, bit of pace, bit of youth, bit of youth. Get mm. them in there, in and around. Like, we can't penetrate. We have not been penetrating anyone here. It's just so laborious and predictable in the middle of the park. Get them in there, let them run the channels. Clip it into the wings there. Do Something needs to change, bro. Yeah, so if we don't have horror, then I suppose... Gannon send it back there uh, so I'm, I'm going to make one change to yours I'm going to play Berkey instead of Danny Berkey instead of Danny yeah okay. and I'm going to say a squeaky 1-0 win squeaky 1-0 hopefully Prof taking his first uh, golden goal hasn't I'm, been close yet I'm taking a quid in, to be honest get back and yeah, if you want a golden goal make sure you get involved get us on Instagram as well but Prof that is Almost, only so much money I can send to D24 <laughs> yeah so Finner Pico are back so they are involved in our squads and some uh, well we hope he goes back in yeah. hopefully yeah but 4,000 on Friday prof we're hoping we can sell it out hoping we're hoping we can get 4k in there after a bad couple of runs we're expecting to have fans in the stadium we hope we can do it so I think this will be a bit of a test of whether the novelty factor is kind of worn off if that clamour is still there you know what yeah, I mean yeah yeah I know what you mean I know what you mean but if you go back to two years ago I remember we got 3,000 at home to UCD and I remember being really impressed by that because mm. in the Michael Neal days you would have got 1,000 at home to UCD and I thought it was like I thought that was a grey barometer of how the the, fan, the tens was rising yeah yeah no I remember that as well I remember mm. thinking this is pretty mm. good and there was an atmosphere as well so I'm thinking no more than 3 okay we'll, we'll settle for it's 3 my, it's my prediction but uh yeah, I won't mention how many games you've won the Raw over Waterford because I think I think with the Harps run gone, Waterford, Waterford is probably our, our best run. Yeah. I'll leave you with this random stat. The only player that we have signed directly from Waterford in the last 10 years. Oh, let me guess. It was actually in the quiz. I don't know if you saw the quiz. 10 years, 2011. There's no way you'll get this. Daryl Kavanagh? No, he did play for them, but before that. Oh, hold on. Not in a million years would he get this. Go on. Craig Hyland. Jeez, I'd never have gotten that. Never. I admit to that, I never would have gotten that. Should have fucking gave him back. And before that, you have to go back to Pat Flynn, 2008. Jesus. See that? I want more of that. I want more transfer stats. Love transfer stats. Not really a club we've looked towards, have we? No, not really. And who was before that? Shane Robinson. When you mention that, you obviously didn't do my quiz. Had I, had, I had a trick question in my quiz. And he wasn't one of them? And it was... Carrick Rangers. It was, um, which of these players did we not sign from Waterford FC? And the options were Paddy Code, Shane Robinson, Pat Flynn, and Craig Hyland. No way, Robbo? The answer is Robbo. Uh, was it Carrick Rangers? I think you played for Waterford Bohemians Co- or yes, something like that. Yes, there you go. Yeah. Now you have it, yeah. Right. So that is it, guys, for this week's logo. Boys, get in touch with us if you were interested. It's filling up quick. Quick, so get in touch. Instagram, Tales from the East End, um, at East End Pod, and Roddy Parsons on Facebook. So that is it. We will see you on the Props page, Block X. Keep on hooping. See you. Maybe it's because I'm a Londoner that I love London so. 
Maybe it's because I'm a Londoner That I think of her wherever I go I get a funny feeling inside of me Just walking up and down Maybe it's because I'm a Londoner That I love London town Maybe it's because I'm a Londoner